Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. This is the second hour, and that must mean it's Monday. Well, it doesn't have to be Monday. Sometimes I throw in a second hour. Not very often anymore, but once in a while. But always... Well, mostly always on Mondays, we have a second hour. TheAmericanVoice.com or AmericanVoiceRadio.com if you want to participate in the show. Or if you want to uh, just go in there and socialize with other folks, you can do that too. TheAmericanVoice.com or AmericanVoiceRadio.com. Uh, AVRN1.com or AVRN.TV. You can do that, too. That'll get you there. Anyhow, why don't we just bring Dean on, live from New York City. Dean Lauren, welcome. Well, thank you, Frank. And uh, how do I sound out there? In- well, you sound alive. Are you planning on staying that way, or are you contemplating suicide? <laughs> well... I couldn't possibly give people the satisfaction to which they arise. Yeah, that's right. Uh, <laughs> and yourself, am I going to find you from a naughty pine tree? No, like you, you know, no matter what I want, I would never give the dirtbags out there the satisfaction. Never. Well, good. I'll well, suffer I w- to the bitter end just to spit in their eye. All right, I've been to the bitter end. Several times. And um, and with that, that brings up a very good point in that tonight, in keeping with our Christian network and our commander-in-chief, I am replacing all the bad words with some very good words indeed. Yes, I'm going to replace them with the names of justices who've occurred in many of the court's majority decisions. We're talking... Kennedy, Roberts, Thomas, Ginsburg, Breyer, Alito, Sotomayor, Kagan, and, you know, we'll reach into history for a few Rehnquists and pals. So with that, I noticed because it's the same old Sotomayor, and uh, we got to go to our first lead story. Folks, as of three minutes ago, the real estate bubble burst in Hong Kong. Now you're asking, what does that mean? It means that in Hong Kong and in China, they've been organizing these micro or small crowdfunding platforms to, um, I'm not quite sure, it's illegal to move money out of China. At, at certain points, they have a control set on the yuan in which, you know, you have to have good reasons to move your money overseas and, and you have to be able to track it. However, they are now using apps and various crowd crowdfunding platforms with as little as $100 to invest your money in China. Now, this is 
symptomatic of the Madoff scam with Emily's List, in which you put in $101 or more. And these little amounts actually mount up. And and they're promising 13%. And if you're promising somebody 13% on a real estate investment. That's a bit unrealistic, don't you think? It's called either money laundering drug money or you're selling weapons. Let's get real. Yeah, there is no legal investment giving 13% these days. Right. And one of the popular crowdfunding platforms is South Africa, the capital of arms manufacturing. Mm-hmm. You know, I just now, like... Dean, on a side note, but we're talking about money laundering and such, and this is an offshoot of that. Have you... Now, because I've been looking around, and I haven't seen anything, so I want to ask you, because you've got your uh, ear to the ground with uh, lots of things in New York... Have you read or heard anything about where did the almost $8 million in, like, four days come from for Shill Stein? Has anybody investigated, like, who donated? Where did all this money come from so quickly? Almost $8 million for a recount? Was it really grandma, all the grandmas giving 100 bucks, Or have you heard anything? Because I've looked. I, I haven't seen anything about it. Kennedy, you. I meant, I meant, um, of course, Jill Stein is honest as a whore is moral. Virgin, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, moral, you know, hey, moral is a, you know, a subjective thing, but, you know, you're either a virgin or you're not. And if you're uh-huh. a prostitute, you're not. You're in a, you're an Alito hole. Okay, so, <laughs> no, so. all right, so. You know, this brings us to a a good point, because interestingly, we had covered the $9 trillion missing in defense funds several weeks ago. And now we're seeing Donald Trump's entire platform. He has one platform, folks. And that is to deliver infrastructure, roads, highways, bridges, to real estate developments of his friends. That is his number one goal. And I'm not saying it's bad. We could profit with good roads. Some people will profit from making the roads. And... You have to ask yourself, if he's not going to rub, rob Social Security, because it's already been robbed, where is he going to get that money? And there's only one place he can get it is from the black banking system of the CIA and the military defense contractors, the $9 trillion that's missing. So what does he do today? He starts to say to all the defense contractors, you're over budget and playing with the numbers. If you don't bring in all those 
hidden dollars overseas that are stashed in drug accounts. And we're talking drug as in heroin, opium, and cocaine offshore that they use to do their clandestine operations, of which he doesn't want to hear about every day. He says once a week, maybe, if something's happening. What, that, are you talking about Trump? Who else? Well, no. What, no, man. you see, I, I actually read that article, and what he said was... The based, son of the son to Meyer I'm not talking about. What? In the White House. They, anyway, the, uh, what Trump said was, he basically was slamming the intelligence agencies because they keep just spouting out the same nonsense over and over and over and over and over again. And he said, I don't need to hear the same stuff day in and day out. When something happens, uh, you know, I get what I need. And, and, and you know, keep saying day in and day out is we need money for the red uh, problem. That's what they're trying to do, and that's what they have goaded in ever since February 2016 when Jeb Bush pulled out. When the Bushes realized that they had bet on the wrong nag, and I'm talking about that briar, mm -hmm. Clinton. I got that. <laughs> and... um Oh, you did, did you? I did. When you said nag, I got that right away. Okay. And old. <laughs> you see, uh, you know what? That's a lot less annoying to me than her voice. <laughs> Sorry. Okay, so, you know, you have to ask yourselves, you know, this money has got to come from the black ops. And so... Donald's playing hardball. He just sank Lockheed Martin, which took about $2 trillion without delivering anything. Okay, they walked off with $2 trillion of America. Now, Donald Trump has got to have some type of asset for Goldman Sachs in, to mortgage in order to sell these infrastructure bonds. Now, he can't do the minerals and the gas and the oil because they've already been mortgaged. That's why Obama wouldn't let them out of the ground. That's why they're trying to get the North Dakota pipeline, because it's been mortgaged and overdue. Of course, they plan to destroy the Mississippi River with the pipeline under the Missouri River. For those people that don't realize it, the Missouri River leads into the Mississippi River. All right. So now what we're really looking at is, and then there's another real estate parcel that's also in trouble, and that's the West Side Rails in New York City, which BlackRock had to move their offices to in order to save it, or at least to entice people to follow them. Folks, the real estate is collapsing all over Hong Kong. The, I don't want to call it embezzlement, but the moving of monies clandestinely without the Chinese government's knowledge is, is, I mean, they must be really, you know, 
Ginsburg stupid to think that they can get away with any of this stuff. Because, first of all, China's listening just like our NSA. Well, that's not fair. Wait a minute. That's not fair. Hey, wait a minute. Isn't the United States the only one allowed to spy on anybody? I mean, that's not fair that they get to spy, too. That's not fair. Well, I, I, I... I have sent to you in an early advance your your holiday gift. I need my quiet room. That's not fair. And it is, in fact, Frank, as minister of the first agency and ministry of truth. Oh, God. Okay. I have sent you your official photograph badge to wear at the Southern District of New York. So that you, too, can be part of the new Ministry of Truth Ah, brought in by the U.S. Senate. Yeah, I read. You know what? I read that story. These dirtbags, man, I, they just don't stop. They never stop. I mean, after this election, you know, you'd think they would have gotten the hint, man, we need to slow down. We need to back off. These people are upset. No, they don't care. They just keep rolling along. Oh, wait a minute. I just got a, a tweet a from tweet? our commander in chief. Yes, a tweet. He says it's Neo Ministry of Truth. <laughs> ah, there you go. The new Ministry of Truth. We'll I wouldn't want to be in the old badge. ministry. That's true. We'll send, we'll send you a, a corrected badge. Now, Gosh, a tweet. You are, you're just so technical, aren't you? I am tonight. Life in the big city. It is a big city. Now, I wanted to, uh, I sent to you, actually, a... Um, a PDF? I saw that. I saw the PDF. And it is actually... A cross petition. I've already filed my my complaint with this whole intercon security issue, and it's before Ju- Judge Engelmeyer now. And so he asked me to justify my jurisdiction for intercon and and Time Warner. And he had already dismissed Kyle Wood, but it turns out they were rubber stamping the. The orders, Judge Engelmeyer never even read it or wrote it because there are decisions and and statements in there that I never made, but that Paula Gloria made, but were deleted from the record by Judge Pauly the day of the beatdown by Intercon when they attacked Lydia Radin and then held a secret ex parte meeting in Judge Peck's chambers. So I had to get real in front of Senator Sessions and now Senator Sessions is on the Judiciary Committee. So he should know about the secret courts that are operating in the federal courts. They are not on record. They do not have dockets, yet they are sending people to federal penitentiaries for felonies charged on violation tickets. So, for instance, I wrote to Senator Jeff Sessions and Judge Paul Engelmeyer, and I said, Kyle Wood's participation, uh, to, to show them that Kyle Wood did not have judicial immunity in anything because he was only a court employee. That would mean, oh, 
I could go rape any woman, and because I'm a court employee, if I raped her in the federal Southern District of New York's 20th floor bathroom, I was immune from prosecution. How stupid. No, let me take that back. How Clarence Thomas of Senator Jeff Sessions could you get? So I said, Kyle Wood's participation in an illegal Central Violations Bureau court and secret ex parte court presentment, because that's what they were trying to do, a presentment, before Magistrate James Peck at 500 Pearl Street, Southern District of New York, the 20th floor on January 28th, between 11 a.m. and 1 p.m. to create, manufacture, and charge felonies on violation tickets to cover up Intercon Security's violent felony attack by an Intercon employee, alleged ex-con, ex-cop on Lydia Radin, a woman who was leaving a public elevator with Robert Perry while Dean Lauren was discussing with Mr. Perry why Mr. Perry failed to name Gail Brewer as the state actor for her participation in the secret sale by Chuck Schumer's brother, Robert Schumer, of Time Warner Assets, the cables to Intercon Security cameras and the MN building and channels to gaming concerns like that are owned by Al Gore, Al Jazeera, and Al D'Amato. So basically, folks, what a lot we of have Al's there. Oh, Al <laughs> Al Gore was in there. You can call me Al. Yeah, so we got a lot of things going on, but the point is this man's in a secret meeting and they're giving him judicial immunity. But more than that, the reason why they're selling all these video cable lines to Intercon Security and Rudy Giuliani and Michael Bloomberg and Al D'Amato is because they will have all the security cameras for the casinos. They will have all the security cameras for the hotels. They will have all the security cameras that will charge you park, uh, uh, traffic tickets on the streets. Get it, folks? This is a video monopoly on security, quietly engineered by Gail Brewer. And when it went wrong, when Paula Gloria emailed the judge and he stupidly put it on the docket, I don't mean stupidly, I meant Elena Kagan put it on the docket. <laughs> and then he removed it and wrote an order. I'm removing this and I want to strike it from the docket and the record. Except for then Judge Engelmeyer comes back to me. No, no, no. It's Chief Judge McMahon. It's the chief judge who I personally went to on the fifth floor during the fraudulent proceedings and said, you got a problem here. You got an illegal court. She, went, ah! she went, ah, <laughs> she ran up her elevator. Send me it in writing. I said, ah, son of a Kennedy. So get, you know, I, I don't know what's going on, Frank, but I do know that the day I filed this, The head of the DOJ, and I want to get her name. Loretta Lynch Mob? No, no, of the criminal division. Oh, okay. 
the criminal division lady, okay? And her name is, let me get it right for you, Leslie R. Caldwell. Now, she's a former Brooklyn prosecutor. So she knows that this scam is being run in the Eastern District because it's run out of Cabin Plaza East, right across from her offices where she used to prosecute. She says, and I quote, on December 8th, the day I'm filing my papers, Leslie Caldwell of the Justice Department's Criminal Division acknowledged Thursday that some federal prosecutors lack the experience and supervision to properly determine whether to bring charges, saying there are cases that get filed that shouldn't be filed. Meaning they didn't get the word. They didn't get the word. Because okay. you know what? Prosecutors, uh, any law student who graduates is capable of recognizing what can be charged and what can't be charged. And, by the way, folks, they have to go to a supervisor to get signed off because it's part. then it becomes part of their budget. You see, every time they prosecute, it goes to a budget. Now, we have music. Yes. We do. And so I have to... Now, I I was going to dedicate this song because last week I said I was going to dedicate it to you, Frank. Oh, gosh. Okay. But the commander-in-chief... I've been bumped. You've been bumped this week for the commander-in-chief. All right. Well, you know... Donald Trump. If it's got to be anybody, I suppose the commander-in-chief is all right. That's right, because I'm going to give him one chance to not let me down. I'm only going to give you, Donald, one chance before I fire you. (laughs) Because you see, Donald, I can bring you down just on your interest rates, on your T-bills, on your infrastructure goals. And with that, Frank, I dedicate this song to the Commander-in-Chief.
scientific. If you have high blood sugar or type 2 diabetes, these are serious medical issues that require immediate attention. Did you know that it's possible to actually reverse high blood sugar and diabetes by using simple, natural products proven to balance your blood sugar? It's time to do what I did. Take control of your life. Vita Scientific's clinically tested formula will help you to feel healthy and energetic. These breakthrough supplements, along with small changes in your diet and exercise plan, may be the answer you've been looking for to set you on the path to optimal health. These products will not interfere with your current medical treatments, so start getting excited about feeling great again. 
please visit VitaScientific.com or call Vita Scientific at 210-520-8432. That's 210-520-8432 to learn more. Tell them Doc Green sent you and get 50% off your first order. Call now. Studies have shown that the farm soil we get our vegetables from is dead, meaning it is depleted of minerals. Sulfur is a mineral. Sulfur has been depleted from the soil, which means most people have been depleted of sulfur. Sulfur has been found to transport oxygen throughout the body. You need oxygen. You need organic sulfur. American Voice Radio Network has organic sulfur. Go to AmericanVoiceRadio.com and then to the Superstore to order your organic sulfur. It's your choice. Do you want to feel better or not? Don't forget to tune in to the Sulfur Hour Plus One on AmericanVoiceRadio.com, Thursdays, 6 p.m. Pacific. just defended yourself with a gun. You've been booked for manslaughter, but it was self-defense. You go to court. Your bail is set at $100,000, but the legal defense you subscribe to doesn't cover that much. You still have legal jeopardy ahead, which would wind up costing even more money and time, and now you're beginning to really worry. Self-Defense Fund provides bail up to $100,000. We are a comprehensive litigation membership, backing you on appeals, legal expenses, court costs, and more. Discover selfdefensefund.com for yourself. Any weapon, any state, any time.
And uh, good question. Are we having fun yet? It is Monday, December 12, 2016. It is uh, 9.43 out here on the Pacific Time Coast, if that's when it is where you're at. We are, in fact, live, theamericanvoice.com or americanvoiceradio.com. That's the website. Everything you need to know about this network is found there. Anyhow... As I mentioned, it is Monday night, and that means we got Dean Lauren uh, coming to us live from New York City. Welcome back, Dean. Well, thank you, Frank. And I have one word to say, and that is, Donald, don't let me down. That was Reba McIntyre singing Fancy Live. From well, the Reba, I thought the that was Dolly Parton. Hell no, that was Reba. Uh, I didn't mean that. I said John Roberts. That was, <laughs> that was Reba McIntyre. Singing fancy. Okay. So, and yours was that guy from American Idol, wasn't it? Uh, Nickelback. Oh, Nickelback. Okay, great. Um, that's a great voice. Actually, it's the same uh, band that does the, uh, you know, the song I used at the beginning there, "Edge of a Revolution." And boy, does that song seem to be coming true. Well, you know, we we're talking about Donald Trump having to pay for his infrastructure treasury bonds with Goldman Sachs. And they were hoping to pay them on the backs of China using this Madoff scheme of crowdfunding. But I have a feeling that President Xi Jinping and uh, most likely the Saudis, King Salman and everybody, are going to be very leery of these crowdfunding money laundering operations and and it's interesting because it's a u.s company doing the crowdfunding that means technically that the chinese government could reach into the federal courts here in the united states for to prosecute yeah if they have think, criminal so. activity Yes, they could. They could extradite on this one. So I, I say this because $9 trillion is missing from the military defense budget. And Donald Trump has just thrown the defense contractors who stole it, Lockheed Martin and all these other ones, their stocks have gone from or dropping as we speak under the bus. 
the transit bus to which he has to write a Goldman Sachs Treasury bond for. Now, that brings us to the fall of Italy. And most of their real estate were secured through bonds from France. And I bring this up because one of the top stories in France today is that France is blocking the extradition of a guy by the name of Mukhtar Abiyazov. Abiyazov. Now, he is from Kazakhstan, so he's Russian. And he stole several billions of dollars from a bank. Now, France is saying, we're not going to give you back to Russia because you wouldn't get a fair trial for the money you stole from Kazakhstan, Russia, and Ukraine. Billions of dollars. So, Frank, can you guess what French bank he has the money stashed it in? No. Because, obviously, the, the, the French are giving him back because they don't want to lose the money. Right? Mm. So, it's either in Credit Agricole... BNP Paribas, which already got pulled on the carpet for fraud and money laundering, Societe Generale, Caisse d'Epargne, Banque Populaire, oh my God, Banque Populaire is totally corrupt, Credit Mutual, Le Banque Postale, and LCL. And by the way, the French lady who heads the, the Monetary International Bank, Christine Lagarde? Yeah. Is that her name? I think she's going to be on trial, isn't she? Yes, yeah, she is. <laughs> okay. Interesting. Hey, didn't the, didn't the last guy that left there, wasn't he on trial, too? Oui, oui, monsieur. Oh, and, and from the new Ministry of Truth, well, we have no... False news. Sure. I, I have to ask you, Frank. Germany is coming apart at their zippers because of an Afghan asylum teenager who raped and drowned a 19-year-old student. Sherman. He drowned her in the river after he raped her. In Freiburg. So, as of, let me put it, December 4th, the media have shut down the fact that the domestic situation of Germany just blew an IG Farben fuse. That was it, Frank. Well, they're getting about, yeah, they're getting about uh, done in Germany, I'd say, with Merkel and her nonsense. Um, you know, I, <laughs> she, you know, she's the only one standing out of the last little uh, group of socialists that, you know, posed for a picture at the G20. 
Yeah, Holland is about ready to be overthrown. She's the the only one standing still in in power. Right. Holland's out from what the book he wrote. Uh, So now, and, and Saudi Arabia has taken Pakistan fully under their wing now. Now, Pakistan... Uh, if you, uh, let's just look at Pakistan, because I can never re- remember the religion in, 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 in Punjabi. They're, Pakistan they're Pun- is Muslim. I understand it. Um, but it's also Punjab religion. Okay. What, what it, does that it, mean? It, it's Muslim. Oh. It's also Muslim. <laughs> I see. I think. I think. Well, and, Bang, a, and, Bang, and Bangladesh is also Muslim. Oh, it's a Shia. Okay, well, I don't know. So I say this because ACAL security, which is, okay, we have a monopoly going on um, in America between Intercon and ACAL. There are actually two security agencies which control 100% of the security contracts of the federal government. Yeah, Intercal has the, what, the second circuit and the ninth circuit, and uh, ACAL has the rest? Right. And it's the Sikhs. That's who they are, the Sikhs. Yes. Okay. That's, uh, that's Intercon. Or no, was that that's ACAL. ACAL. That's, ACAL. ACAL. that's right, ACAL, the Sikhs. Now, Sikh. it turns out that the, the Sikh that owns it, Daya Singh Kasla, is actually a Connecticut department store Jew. And you see ACAL from Pakistan, he's bringing all these Sikhs in. These are the force multipliers that have been running loose in Afghanistan and Pakistan destabilizing the country. And they've been going in and out. They do detention centers, NASA, federal buildings in D.C., and embassies from Ecuador to Iraq. We're talking CIA, Israeli, Mossad together under a turban of a Connecticut department store Jew. And I say that with profound Ruth Bader Ginsburg. You know, this, <laughs> this is starting to sound like a, a, a large-scale Anthony, Anthony, Anthony the Jew Wiener married to Uba, the Muslim, uh, you know, Abedin now, sort of now, situation. I'm, I'm not being anti-Semitic. I'm being real. We have a, a Connecticut Jew who has taken the entire Sikh assassins and brought them to America with sec- in, in the form of a security company with visas, and they're in every federal court now. Because you see, ACAL and Intercon are privately held and owned by the Bush family, with part ownership with Rudy Giuliani, Michael Bloomberg, and Al D'Amato. Okay, so let's get real. When we're talking about the new Ministry of Truth, as established by the U.S. Senate, and I can't wait to see what the House says on this. I'm sure they're going to rubber stamp it. Weasels that they are. Weasels, yes. 
you know. And, and I say this because Donald Trump has has got a lot on his plate right now. He's got to find that $9 trillion that was stolen by Lockheed Martin and the various other Dynacorp and Bill William B. William Cohen, former Secretary of Defense. And, and now China is also up against the CIA in the Philippines. That's the Rockefeller CIA. And, of course, they just delivered a full military package to the Philippines. So, basically, the CIA, who wishes to inform Trump every morning that they have lost total control of Pakistan now and China, or actually, I meant Philippines. Can you imagine that? Every day coming up to our commander-in-chief saying, we still haven't got Pakistan yet, and we still haven't got the Philippines back, but President Trump, we're all over it. Son of a briar, we're going to get them back. Okay. Yeah, you see why he says, you know what, I don't need to hear the same thing every day. When you've got something new, come and tell me. And I can hear our commander-in-chief go, go to Sotomayor. <laughs> All right. I mean, this is what we're dealing with, folks. We're dealing with a CIA that was so caught up in the drug and domestic creating terrorism, and they're now creating domestic terrorism. And, Frank, I have been officially labeled with the sovereign citizens and the National Labor, I want to say association, but it's the National Liberation Alliance, because I happen to be a producer doing live bands and decided to organize all the producers in this video studio to stop our video cables being sold to domestic terrorists that are known as Intercon and ACAL, so that they could run this vast gaming network, banking network, security network, build the hell out of everybody with traffic tickets. The new Ministry of Truth, as they call it, at the U.S. Senate. And because I associated with Paula Gloria, who is a sovereign citizen, and because I associated with Lydia Radin, who is a National Liberation Alliance, even though she says she quit, and Paula Gloria says she's never been a sovereign citizen, they both hold to those ideals. All right. They were both doing a people's court jury. And, and, and Paula Gloria is saying, I don't want any part of the federal government. I don't want any part of the federal government either. Yeah, but you aren't putting it on every screwball email you got. Oh, okay. I got to start and, you doing know, that. And saying, you know, your your social security number and all this crap, you know, and that your name is this, you know, your own, and you're not a part of the corporation of Boston, you know, you know that kind of rigmarole. So, well, it's uh, you know, there's some basis for it, but you know, most of it's not not the way people bring it out and that you know you know how it is when you go to court or something you make one mistake you say one thing that isn't exactly right and they will string you up with it and this is the point the fbi has put out fake reports and mislabeled people falsely 
so bad. We have gone back to the days when they used to have, who was that FBI guy, J. Edgar Hoover? Yeah, dress wearing fairy, yeah, him. With all his secret files blackmailing everybody. Now well, we I mean, look at the look at the, all the Americans. Look at the no-fly list. I mean, that thing has been shown to be completely inaccurate. They just throw people on there that have no business being on there, and they, they don't care. Oh no, they got business to be on there, but it's called the business of somebody wanting to retaliate against them and make their life miserable because they stood in their way on a money deal, or they or they ratted them out in some irregularity, but some FBI agent, some intercon agent, somebody went on that FBI database and put in false information for for point. Mm. Lydia Raiden, they had two guys accessing her, her, her file, her FBI file. These guys were intercon agents. They had confiscated her camera. They had actually turned her camera on and recording themselves, <laughs> reading her file. It not, wasn't her recording them. They recorded them. Not real smart, huh? And in it, they read the file and they say, oh, great. She's had psychiatric um, uh, uh, time at Bellevue Hospital. Yeah, you She's said been that. been in the psych ward. Yeah, working there, right? The file said she was a patient. Ah. Folks, she was a medical student doing a, you know, how many crazy people can you put on a top of a pin or whatever, you know, mm -hmm. kind of, you know, uh, a report. Yeah, something very uh, necessary. Right, I'm no sure. <laughs> and, um, but the fact is, the moment she hooked up with this NLA, they went in and, and, and this whole thing with this guy, Darish, or whoever's running it, it's, he's an FBI guy, and they're manufacturing all these alleged domestic terrorism cases so they can justify an FBI budget. Now, if Donald Trump... Now, this is going... Dean, this has got to be the last point. We are out of time. We're past time. Uh, John Roberts. <laughs> uh, if he wants... Hey, watch your mouth, huh? We're on, the, we're on the air. That's right. Donald Trump, if he was to go, you know, because... Under martial law, we go under FBI authority, with Joe uh, Comey being our commander. So the FBI budget, Joint Terrorism Task Force, get rid of it and use it for your infrastructure bonds, and you have my blessing. All right. Well, guess what? Talk time is over. We'll see you again next week, Dean. Yo, man. <laughs> All right. Folks, I'll see you again tomorrow. And as always, thanks for listening.
The political, religious, and medical views presented on various shows heard on American Voice Radio Network are not necessarily the views held by the management of American Voice Radio and are not presented as an endorsement by this network. All statements heard on American Voice Radio are the sole responsibility and opinion of those who speak the particular statement. A coastal resort protected by armed guards. That was the private meeting place for Georgia legislators and corporate lobbyists. Now, who paid for it all? That's the big question. Chief Investigator Brendan Keith holds the powerful accountable tonight. Brendan? The 11 Alive investigators discovered an organization that gets money from lobbyists, gives it to legislators, and it's all considered charity. We found the fabled back rooms where laws are really made. show you what's behind this closed door. A place where legislators and corporate lobbyists have an equal vote. A place they don't want you to see. Um, you need to be credentialed. At we are credentialed. We are Georgia. We're Georgia Media. Are there legislators in there? Are there legislators in there? We are Georgia Credentialed Media. Over here? Please step over here. What? There's Georgia legislators here. Are laws being made in there? This isn't the state capitol. It's a resort hotel in Savannah where lawmakers are wined and dined as members of the American Legislative Exchange Council, or ALEC. What is ALEC? It's uh, really a corporate bill mill. I mean, they're cranking out legislation put in the hands of legislators to go back and file it. Georgia Senator Nan Oreck would know she was once an ALEC member. What happens in these back rooms? There are votes taken that have the corporate folks at the same table voting with the legislators on what bill to pick. And that, that at its core just screams out uh, inappropriate. You're telling me that in these rooms a corporation has an equal vote with a legislator on a piece of legislation. They absolutely vote, and the truth be told, they write the bills. ALEC bills come complete with blanks where legislators need only fill in their state name, like the Asbestos Claims Priorities Act. This Georgia law that now prevents many asbestos victims from suing corporations matches the ALEC bill clause after clause, often word for word. The final vote was taken here at the Georgia Capitol. But the bill was first approved here, inside a Las Vegas casino at a closed-door ALEC meeting. Records show the three Georgia senators who sponsored the bill received more than $22,000 in ALEC scholarships to attend resort meetings the year before, during, and after the asbestos law was passed. This is money from corporations to legislators, but it's being filtered through ALEC, and they get a tax write-off? Well, ALEC is a 501c3 organization, charitable educational purposes. That's right. ALEC is an educational charity. The signature of Georgia's Speaker of the House, David Ralston, appears on this 2013 ALEC fundraising letter. He writes, your support of the scholarship fund is critical, enabling Georgia legislators to attend the annual meetings. Donations are 100% tax deductible and fund education efforts for legislators. 
Who's doing the educating? Inside that closed-door committee room in Savannah we couldn't show you, we saw the lobbyist for the cell phone industry seated across from Georgia State Rep Ben Harbin right before we were pulled out. Here we're credentialed to observe legislators here in Georgia, wherever they meet, to discuss laws. He's calling for backup. Alex Staffers had four off-duty sheriff's deputies standing by while we talked with the group's director of communications. Can we do an interview with you? Actually, no. Uh, Why not? Uh, if you please turn the camera on. No, we, we can't turn the camera off. We, you know, that's one thing we don't do. Okay. Well, then I'd like to have you escorted to the building. Please. Okay. We, I'm a guest of this hotel. I'm actually staying here. You are staying at this yeah. hotel. So here's the question is, if Georgia legislators are meeting here, we're credentialed right here to see Georgia legislators making laws. Are they discussing things that could become law here? Georgia legislators are here participating in discussions where they're learning from legislators from others. So why can't the people who elected them see the process? This is a private meeting. A private meeting paid for by whom? By our members and donors. Our lobbyists, correct? No. Are you here for this conference too? We met two lobbyists and a state representative from New England in the hotel bar the night before and recorded our conversation. Do you have to pay your own way? subsidize the legislator coming here. Our lobbyists, correct? No. They're not lobbyists. The ones that we recorded in the bar last night aren't lobbyists who are here members. He signals to the sheriff's deputies. All right. We're, I'm a guest of a hotel, not, not sir. Not for long. Not for long. I'm, I'm here okay. a paying guest of this hotel, sir. We'll take care of that. Did we violate some law or something? I mean, are we violating a law here? Don't say nothing. One of the Georgia senators who sponsored that asbestos bill, Renee Unterman, told the 11 Alive investigators she later dropped out of ALEC, calling it a group of angry white men controlled by industry, not legislators. Major corporations like Atlanta-based Coca-Cola have also dropped out of ALEC. Wow, eye-opening to say the least. Do lawmakers have to report payments for travel to these kinds of resort meetings? You would think, Brenda, but in Georgia, the answer is no. We filed half a dozen open records requests with Georgia legislators, including the Speaker of the House, asking for receipts and reimbursements to ALEC events. Well, today we received this letter from their lawyer. Your request is denied. Quote, the General Assembly is not subject to the Georgia Open Records Law. Huh. In other words, lawmakers specifically exempted themselves from a law they passed to make Georgia government more transparent. More eye-opening. guards were standing for you. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, wow. this is just baffling. We'll stay on. Yeah, and, and we wouldn't know it had it not been for this no. report. No. All right. Brendan, thank, thank you. Mind-blowing. Thank you. the air hostess on board the notorious Lolita Express, the billionaire's private jet at the center of a sex scandal making lurid headlines across the world. Sleazy Wall Street tycoon Jeffrey Epstein used
vessel Olita Express to ferry a bevy of beautiful young women, among the passengers, former President Bill Clinton and Britain's Prince Andrew. On almost every trip that I did go on, there were young girls around. In this Inside Edition exclusive, Shantae Davies takes us inside the secret world of the Lolita Express, named for the controversial book and movie about a professor's infatuation with an underage girl. Shantae made several trips on Jeffrey Epstein's infamous Lolita Express. She says she was one of several young, attractive women hired to travel around the world, giving massages or yoga instruction to Epstein and his rich and powerful friends. When Shantae was hired, she was a struggling 22-year-old actress. She once played a lingerie model in a movie called Exposed. These designs are really great. Shantae worked as a masseuse, but says she never had sex with Epstein. Did you ever think that maybe more was going on than simple massages? Looking back, of course. Was there a bed on the airplane? Actually, yes, there was, yeah. On one memorable flight on board a plane like this provided by Air Hollywood, she says she made peanut butter and jelly sandwiches for passengers, including Oscar winner Kevin Spacey, actor Chris Tucker, and even Bill Clinton. They were all flying to Africa on a humanitarian mission, and Jeffrey Epstein had given them the use of his jet. So you never gave oh. President Clinton a message? No, I didn't. Shantae says when the plane landed in Africa, Clinton took her shopping, but she says nothing improper occurred. They had shut down a jewelry store for us, and I helped him pick out a bracelet for Chelsea. It was a jet-set lifestyle for sure, but Shantae says she felt uncomfortable about being part of Epstein's collection of young women. You saw young women around Jeffrey Epstein, and they didn't seem to have regular jobs, and you started wondering, why are they here? Yes, yes. When you look back, are there red flags that you should have seen at the time? Definitely, yeah. Why fly anyone out to be a masseuse when there's plenty of masseuses in the same city that you're in. Epstein served 13 months in prison for soliciting an underage girl for prostitution. Now just looking at the front page headlines the scandal has generated brings Shantae to tears. To have to deal with that and then on top of it defend my character, I'll have children one day, you know, and, and they'll read this. She wonders whether she'll ever be able to live down her time on the Lolita Express. More than anything, I just felt stupid. Yeah, I felt duped. We begin with a story of sex slaves, underage girls, a billionaire, murder, a prince, and at least one former U.S. president. What has been the biggest scandal in the U.K. since World War II has now come to the U.S., and it may involve former president Bill Clinton. The story surrounds this man, billionaire Jeffrey Epstein, who served time in 2008 for soliciting prostitution. That charge came as part of a plea deal. It all began in 2005 when Epstein was investigated after a woman reported that he paid her 14-year-old daughter $300 for sex. And since that initial claim, there have been more than 40 women who have come forward with claims that Epstein is a sexual predator and that he not only abused them, but shared them with famous and powerful friends. Well, flash forward to today, and a lawsuit is underway in Palm Beach, Florida. In that lawsuit, multiple mentions of former President Bill Clinton, who reportedly took multiple trips to Epstein's private island. You see it here. It's called Little St. James. It all happened between 2002 and 2005. Now, according to testimony in the lawsuit, at least one woman on that compound was there unwillingly. She is referred to as Jane Doe 102. 
She was forced to live as one of Epstein's underage sex slaves for years and was forced to have sex with politicians, businessmen, royalty, people working in academics, etc. Now, to be clear, in 2008, when the plea deal happened, Clinton cut off ties to Epstein, but maybe not. According to the UK Daily Mail, the lawsuit claims that Clinton was friends with an unnamed woman who kept images of naked, underage children on her computer, helped to recruit underage children for Epstein, and photographed underage females in sexually explicit poses. Now, while Clinton cut off ties with Epstein, this woman's abuses apparently did not end their relationship, as she was reportedly one of the 400 guests at Chelsea Clinton's 2010 wedding. So what did Bill Clinton know, and what was he a part of? According to the smoking gun, as part of a civil suit filed against Epstein by several of his victims, lawyers for the women floated the possibility of subpoenaing Clinton, since he might well be a source of relevant information about Epstein's activities. Now, while Clinton was never deposed, lawyers obtained Epstein's computerized phone directory, which included email addresses for Clinton, along with 21 phone numbers for him including those for his assistant, Doug Band, according to a court filing. Now, I spoke earlier with Dennis Hoff, the owner of the Bunny Ranch in Nevada, and a man who personally knows Bill Clinton. In fact, Hoff photographed Clinton with two of his Bunny Ranch girls at a charity event in Los Angeles in March of last year. I asked Hoff if with multiple trips to Little St. John Island, if there is any way that Bill Clinton was not aware of these underage girls. I don't believe it's possible. It's amazing that this happened and came to light. Uh, and I don't think Bill Clinton would ever want to be involved with an underage girl. But the fact that it's happening in front of his eyes and that the Secret Service guys uh, didn't do something about it is shocking. 21 phone numbers as well as email addresses uh, that were reportedly belonged to him that were uh, in possession of Jeffrey Epstein. What does that say to you? Well, it says, it says that, that this Epstein is just an absolute disgusting pig. I mean, to be messing around with underage girls, it, it's just unbelievable. Now, I, I give Bill Clinton uh, a, a little bit of a pass because, look, he had other parties after this all happened, and who went to it? Stephanopoulos, Katie Couric, Woody Allen, which is not a, not a good sign, I guess, uh, and Chelsea Handler. Uh, so it could be possible that, he, that Clinton did not know about this, but it's almost hard to believe. And that party that Hoff mentions there was just one party as compared to the multiple visits by Bill Clinton. But this story is much bigger than just former President Clinton. Prince Andrew, the Duke of York, is being connected to this scandal as well. In 2001, Virginia Roberts, a 17-year-old who now claims to have been held as Epstein's sex slave, was introduced to Prince Andrew while staying at a London home. Ms. Roberts claims that she was paid 10,000 pounds as a reward for having sex with Prince Andrew by Epstein. I spoke earlier with RTUK presenter Afshin Rathamzi, and he says that the scandal around Prince Andrew is growing daily. It is definitely building in the uh, infamous British tabloid press, who are uh, kind of at war with the royal family uh, in, as the general election campaign here proper begins. It is a kind of old story, but of course we are getting further facts because of the uh, plaintiff in effect. Now in the UK, this story though is a lot larger than just Jeffrey Epstein and Prince Andrew. In fact, it seems like it involves this pedophilia ring that reaches into the highest levels of uh, British society, including presenters with 
the BBC, including uh, members of parliament. It, it seems like this is a growing story that involves some 1,400 kids. Can you, can you tell me a little bit about that and the development over the last year into that story? Yeah, around the world, the headlines from Britain tend to, uh, in the international newspapers, seem to make out that Britain is this uh, center of upper-class pedophilia. And uh, indeed, the press here also reflecting uh, those stories. There is a certain degree of frenzy about it, it has, has to be said. But at the same time, the story keeps giving because uh, the latest, uh, quite apart from the fact that there have been entertainers jailed, quite apart from the fact that uh, close conflict confidants of the powerful uh, have been jailed, uh, top public relations people and so on. Now the story seems to be concerning not only uh, paedophile rings, but actually murder, and murder so close to the Palace of Westminster itself, the, the so-called Mother of Parliaments. So these cases are ongoing. And, and can you, uh, can you define for, me, for us the murder charge? That, that goes back to a, a young man who was believed to have died during one of these orgies, is that correct? That's right. There's testimony uh, that's now being investigated uh, as to whether uh, uh, rent boys, I suppose, uh, the murder of rent boys by prominent politicians with people being named. But I think it's very important to emphasize the fact that uh, all the accusations tend to be on people who've died. It's as if the, uh, uh, the police and the Scotland Yard has its own headlines as regards covering up things in this country. Uh, it's so scandalous that even the government here, the Home Secretary Theresa May has been criticizing the Police Federation uh, for the past year or so. And we know that Scotland Yard has been involved in cover-up after cover-up relating to so many different aspects of British civic, civic life. So uh, as regards current serving politicians, every time it, it uh, seems to touch uh, a serving British politician, it, the story seems to dwindle. And again, we talk about stories of uh, past ministers, particularly in Margaret Thatcher's cabinet uh, during the 1980s. Well, as the story grows, it becomes more and more apparent this is not just the story of underage girls. It is the story of a massive pedophilia ring involving some of the most powerful people in the world. Back to Jeffrey Epstein, because when police were investigating Epstein in 2008, they found an Amazon.com invoice for the purchase of sex slave books, such as Slavecraft, Roadmaps for Erotic Servitude, Principles, Skills, and Tools. Another called Training with Ms. Abernathy, a workbook for erotic slaves and their owners. And SM101, a realistic introduction. I spoke with Cambys Shambankari, who has spent years covering sex trafficking all around the world and I asked him what this scandal is demonstrating about the power and the abuse of people from around the world. Uh, you know, the fact is, uh, regardless of, of what's happening right now with Princess War, uh, Andrew and Epstein, uh, you know, that's a long time that uh, a community of wealthy people, they take advantage of underage uh, children and girls especially. Uh, you know, uh, there was, uh, based on the United States uh, government document, there were more than 600,000 cases of uh, uh, human trafficking that more than 60% of them, they were girls that they brought to United States. Uh, Thailand has one of the worst cases in this matter that uh, many rich people, they travel to Thailand to have sex with underage children. And uh, in this case, for, uh, for 
Miss Roberts' case, she was 17, but we are facing in Thailand with something like six years old or five years old kids that they have been used as sex slaves. Well, and it's just, it just seems like this is, um, and as you pointed out, and I think you make a great point, that at the end of the day, um, a lot of the girls who are involved in this particular story, and that's not to minimize the abuse of them, uh, are much older, and yet there are very young children all around the world that this is happening to even as we're speaking. Yeah, that's true. But but what what is bothering me about this case is uh, blaming the victim. That that's that we we see a lot. You know how so? How uh, are they blaming the victim? Uh, they they started to bullying the. Uh, this woman. When you say that, are you talking specifically about Alan Dershowitz, the attorney who's now been assigned to this case, now taking it exactly. on? Exactly. And she's, a, she's a, you know, uh, Miss Roberts is, is an example of many of those victims that they, they can't step forward. They can't talk about their abusers. They can't talk about what happened to them because uh, they are afraid. Well, that person who is now blaming the victims, as you heard there, according to Shambankari, is attorney Alan Dershowitz, who himself has now been accused of having sex with underage girls associated with Epstein. Writing in the Wall Street Journal law blog that he is the victim of an extortion conspiracy, Dershowitz is calling for the disbarment of the two lawyers who are representing the alleged victims. It's a story we'll continue to follow. In like 10 years, 12 years time, the U.S. dollar will be like wallpaper. We are on the precipice of a, of a major uh, economic financial collapse. I mean, what we've just experienced, I mean, that's, 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 that's the opening act. I mean, the real collapse is coming. One stimulus package will lead to the next one and to more money printing. And so in five to ten years' time, the real crisis will break out when the whole system collapses. That will be the end. Eventually, this dollar is going to quit working, and then everybody's going to know what poverty is all about. Our politicians need to understand why. Why the country is in this shape. It's because of them. It's because of the Federal Reserve and their policies, their, their, their regulations that have distorted the free market and that have created this mess. And that if they don't stop doing what they're doing, it, you know, there's going to be no turning back. As the fiscal deficit goes up, the interest payments on the government debt also go up. They are now around $400 billion annually. I would think that they'll be around a trillion dollars in five to seven years' time. Can you talk to us about the deficit? Are you worried? Should this be a near-term priority? Everybody ought to be worried about the deficit. It's a big deficit, but the time will come to deal with it. And so then the government goes bust, but before it does that, it will inflate its way out or try to inflate its way out. And that won't work. So the next step will be to go to war. Uh, the whole thing will collapse. Since the release of our first documentary, Hyperinflation Nation, five months ago, gold prices have increased from $925 per ounce to over $1,150 per ounce, while silver has increased from $14 per ounce to over $18 per ounce. The rise in the price of gold and silver is a result of the major monetary inflation being created by the Federal Reserve, which has held interest rates at 0% for almost a full year. Under the false pretenses of trying to get our phony economy to recover, the Federal Reserve is giving trillions of dollars away for free to bankers on Wall Street at the expense of the American middle class, who will soon see the purchasing power of their savings disappear. The false strength of our phony economy has become dependent on easy money and 
cheap credit from the Federal Reserve. The longer the Federal Reserve waits to raise interest rates, the greater the chances that our economy will overdose on excess liquidity. There will be two social classes of Americans in the future. Those who sell their U.S. dollars today and buy gold and silver, and those who buy into the false hope of an economic recovery. It's sort of like trying to get somebody off drugs. You don't, what you're talking about is you don't want the withdrawal symptoms, and I admit there will be withdrawal symptoms. But keeping them on the drug, which is easy money, easy spending, and huge deficits and all that, may, that'll kill the patient. And, and the patient, for me, is the dollar, and we're going to be on the verge of killing the patient. And when you see gold up at $1,100 an ounce, that's a little bit of a warning sign. If we keep interest rates artificially low, we're going to destroy the currency. We're not just, we're going to be talking about, you know, gold not just going up, you know, $25 in a day, but $50, $100 in a day, $1,000 in a day. The U.S. national debt just surpassed $12 trillion, and the U.S. government itself is estimating a $9 trillion budget deficit over the next 10 years. If the U.S. government was a publicly traded company, it would be bankrupt and its stock price would be zero. It's only a matter of time before the decline in the U.S. dollar we are seeing today becomes a route and the dollar returns to its intrinsic value of zero. From what I read and from what I see, there's no intention whatsoever of U.S. policymakers to do anything to stabilize the dollar. They'll continue to print money and I think long term, my end value for the dollar is zero. While they see it as a remote possibility, their big concern for the moment is the potential for a disorderly decline in the dollar, which they describe as a momentum-led sell-off where the market would become untethered from fundamentals. In that event, officials say they have contingency plans of what they would say and do. They decline to specify what those plans would be. They insist those plans are not a matter of heightened concern, just prudent preparation, like a plan for the invasion of a country that is unlikely to invade. You never expect to need it, but it would be foolish not to have it in place. There is no point for the government to make a contingency plan for when the dollar collapses, because at that point, it will be too late. They should be acting to restore confidence in the dollar now, before it collapses. The Federal Reserve is nothing more than a counterfeiting operation. Since the creation of the Federal Reserve in 1913, 95 cents of every dollar saved by Americans has been stolen. Some might consider the Federal Reserve to be unconstitutional and this dilution of savings to be a crime. Yet there is still no widespread outrage about it. This is not new. This is historic. The king in the old days always had key, always had control of the money. They did it in different ways. They clipped coins, diluted the metal, printed money. Today, it's really sophisticated. It's done secretly with a computer. And that's why it has made it so much more dangerous than ever before. So who got the money? financial institutions in, in Europe and other countries? Which ones? I don't know. Half a trillion dollars and you don't know who got the money? Uh, the loan went to the, the loans go to the central banks and they, they then put them out to their, um, to their institutions to try to bring down short-term interest rates in dollar markets around the world. Well, look at the next page. The very next page has the U.S. dollar nominal exchange rate, which shows a 20% increase in the U.S. dollar nominal exchange rate at exactly the same time that you were handing out half a trillion dollars to foreigners. Do you think that's a coincidence? Yes. <laughs>
Bernanke is not doing a good job. He's doing a horrific job. He's doing, you know, about as bad a job as you could do. I mean, maybe it's possible there's somebody who could do a worse job. I mean, I, I don't know for sure, but there might be. Federal Reserve Chairman Ben Bernanke recently said that the U.S. should cut down on its budget deficit in order to reduce global imbalances. This is hypocritical, as it's Bernanke who is allowing the U.S. to have such huge budget deficits by monetizing our government spending. Bernanke is the only person with the power to put a stop to this madness. But in his campaign to get reappointed, he most likely promised everyone in Washington that he would continue monetizing their spending into the future. In 10 years' time, in my opinion, about 50% of tax revenues will be used to just cover the interest payments on the government debt. And that is unsustainable, then you really are forced to print money. Have you ever looked around your house to see where the products inside of it were made? Most likely, 90% of them were made in China. How could the U.S. have the biggest economy in the world if so few of what we own is made here? The U.S.'s biggest export is inflation. Because of the dollar's status as the world's reserve currency, we can just print the money to purchase the goods we consume. However, the world is now looking to move away from the dollar as the world's reserve currency. You know, you, you know this should be front story on the evening news every night. I mean, this is this is a big thing. Our credit card is about to be taken away. I mean, the reason that this country has been able to survive all these years is because we can print money instead of making stuff. It is the U.S. dollar status as the world's reserve currency, and the fact that foreign nations are forced to trade oil and other commodities in U.S. dollars that has kept the U.S. economy propped up until now. Recent reports indicate that Saudi states are meeting with countries like China and Japan in order to end dollar-based oil transactions and begin transacting oil using a new basket of currencies. To further their move away from the U.S. dollar, China's Ministry of Finance recently announced plans to sell billions worth of two-year, three-year, and five-year yuan-denominated bonds in Hong Kong. Shockingly, over the past three months, foreign central banks have put 63% of their new cash purchases into euros and yen, and not into the U.S. dollar. The U.S. dollar still accounts for 62% of the world's foreign currency reserves at foreign central banks. But for how long? India just purchased 200 metric tons of gold from the IMF for $6.7 billion dollars in order to diversify their reserves away from the U.S. dollar. How low will the U.S. dollar fall and how high will gold rise when more central banks diversify out of dollars and into gold? Despite China boosting its gold reserves by 76% since 2003, gold still only accounts for 1.5% of China's foreign currency reserves. Yet, China still owns 1.6 trillion in U.S. dollar reserves. Most telling of all, China is now encouraging their citizens to invest in silver and will be offering silver for sale at banks in China. It's the first ever investment opportunity for silver bullion. The bars are available in 500 grams, 1 kilogram, 2 kilograms, and 5 kilograms with a purity of 99.9%. 
Figures show that gold was 50 times more expensive than silver in 2007, but now that figure has reached over 70 times, the highest in the past five years. Analysts say that silver has been undervalued in recent years. They add that the metal is a wise investment for individual investors and could be a good way to cash in. We are the first to offer silver bullion as an investment opportunity. The price for the first batch of the bullion is set very low, close to the cost of the raw material. The investment threshold is not high and is more suitable for the general public. Silver is much cheaper than gold. While the U.S. saw positive GDP growth last quarter and Bernanke called the recession very likely over, consumer spending now accounts for 71% of our GDP compared to the long-term average of 65%. This means our economy is actually weakening underneath the surface. In order for our economy to truly recover, we need to switch from being a nation of consumers to a nation of producers. But in order for the U.S. to once again begin producing goods to export to the rest of the world, we need Americans to increase savings. In late 2008, early 2009, after the U.S. financial markets collapsed, the first instinct of Americans was to start saving. While initially the American savings rate tripled to a high in May of 6.2%, after the government's artificial stimulus took effect, the savings rate plummeted in half back down to 3%. The free market was trying desperately to get our economy headed in the right direction, but the government destroyed any progress that was made. 42% of the phony GDP growth we saw last quarter came from the government's destructive cash for clunkers program. And so here's a car that people own that they would drive without any payment. They didn't have any car loans on clunkers, they owned them. Let's destroy that. Let's give you forty-five hundred dollars for acid on the on the engine, so it'll never work. And then we'll pay money to scrap it and all that. Who knows what it costs to actually get rid of each of these working cars? And let's encourage you to go buy a brand new car that you can't afford. And you're going to go into debt to do it. So now every month you have to make a car payment that you didn't have before. This is great. This is really how to get out of a recession, right? Shoot it's like it's like we got shot in the arm, and so the solution is well, let's shoot ourselves in the foot too. Cash for clunkers was a Chinese program because they will not take our U.S. dollars for their exports. We had to send them a bunch of metal and steel for them to give any type of credit to the U.S. A lot of people don't realize that. That was a brainchild of the Chinese embassy, not the U.S. Cash for Clunkers isn't the government's only wasteful new program. They recently extended the home buyer's tax rebate, which credits a first-time home buyer or somebody who hasn't owned a home in three years $8,000 for buying a house. They are also giving out $6,500 to those who lived in their prior home for five years or more and now wish to buy a new home. Not only that, but if you can't afford to pay your mortgage, the government is now going to allow you to rent your home from Fannie Mae at a reduced rate in a new Deed for Lease program. The Home Buyer's Tax Rebate and Deed for Lease programs are designed to create artificial demand for houses and keep housing inventory off of the market. This is creating the false signal that the real estate market has bottomed 
and now is a good time to buy real estate. Unfortunately, Americans who buy real estate at this time will get slaughtered. The average U.S. home currently costs 20,000 ounces of silver. The last time the Federal Reserve rapidly increased its money supply back in the 1970s, we saw home prices fall from 20,000 ounces of silver down to a low of 2,000 ounces of silver. The bottom line is, if you invest in silver today instead of real estate, you might be able to afford a house 10 times nicer in 5 to 10 years. Most Americans today believe dollars are a safe asset because it has a number on it that always stays the same. While gold and silver's nominal prices can sometimes be very volatile, what's going to happen to the dollar when Americans wake up and realize it is actually the riskiest asset of all? Americans have come to accept inflation as being normal. They've learned from their parents that it was only 60 years ago when it cost five cents for a glass bottle of Coke, five cents for a pack of baseball cards, five cents for a Hershey chocolate bar, 15 cents for a burger at McDonald's, 16 cents for Kellogg's cornflakes, and 50 cents for a movie ticket. But they see nothing wrong with this because inflation occurred over a long period of time. It took 25 years for our national debt to double from $257 billion in 1950 to over $533 billion in 1975. Most recently, our national debt has more than doubled from $5.8 trillion in 2001 to its current level of over $12 trillion in just eight years. Our national debt is now growing three times faster than it did decades ago, which means we should expect a very minimum of three times faster inflation. Therefore, if it took 60 years for a movie ticket price to rise from 50 cents to $7.50, it will most certainly rise to at least $112.50 within the next 20 years. And that's a best-case scenario. Americans may not see much price inflation today because major U.S. banks are currently hoarding $860 billion in excess reserves. Congress passed legislation in late 2008 allowing the Federal Reserve to pay interest on the reserves banks keep parked at the Fed. However, as some of these banks begin to make loans, price inflation will increase to a level that is higher than the interest they collect. This will force the other banks to also make loans, and we will see a huge flood of dollars entering the system all at once. I heard you uh, talk about you use pricing as, as a reference, and that uh, purely printing more money doesn't cause inflation, which was really new news to me. And I wonder if you tell me what you think causes inflation. Well, let's, let's be clear what's, what's going on. Um, the Federal Reserve is not putting money out in, into, the, into the economy. What we're doing is we're creating bank reserves. That's money that the banks hold with the Fed. So it's just sitting there idly. It's not chasing any goods, okay? So as long as those bank reserves are sitting idly, broader measures of money that measure the circulation but, of money. But it, but it won't sit there idly forever. The right, purpose exactly. of it is not to sit there idly forever. And, right. And, and, and while there may be a time lapse, certainly, unless that money gets sucked back in, 
uh, and out of circulation, it's going to cause inflation. There's no denying it. It's not sucked back in, but as I was describing, we have ways of sucking it back in. We How? Have well, one way to do it is by raising interest, raising the interest rate we pay on those reserves, which induces banks to keep the money with us instead of lending it out or circulating it through the economy. To counteract the inflation of the 1970s, the Federal Reserve needed to raise interest rates in 1980 to 21.5%. With interest rates currently being held at an artificially low level of 0% for an extended period of time, artificially high interest rates of 21.5% or more will once again be needed to counteract the damage being done today. In 2009, the U.S. government spent $383 billion on interest payments to holders of our national debt. Considering that most of our national debt is now made up of short-term T-bills, if we see the Federal Reserve raise interest rates to 21.5%, our interest payments could grow to over $2.58 trillion when our entire government tax receipts in 2009 were only $2.185 trillion. It will be impossible for Obama to meet his budget projection and cut the deficit in half from $1.6 trillion in 2009 to $761 billion in 2012. Most likely by 2012, we will be looking at $3 or $4 trillion budget deficits or more. Therefore, the trend of accelerating national debt growth is likely to continue and the next doubling of our debt could actually occur in four years, which means we could see our $112 movie ticket within the next five to ten years. But that's only if the Chinese are dumb enough to keep lending us their money. Most likely, the Chinese will stop lending us their money and just allow the dollar to collapse. As they devalue the dollar and the currencies around the world are worth more, they're going to come in here and buy this country up for dimes on the dollar. So all you people out there, you know who the man you're going to be working for? Well, the man's going to be from China. They're going to be from countries with money. All Americans who ride in taxicabs in major U.S. cities have probably heard dozens of stories from immigrants telling their tales of how they escaped their homeland in order to get to America. In the future, taxicab drivers in Asian countries will be talking about how they escaped America in order to get there. There are now thousands of young Americans who are moving to China for jobs. You go to school, you get good grades, you work for 30 years, and then you retire. That system is, is a fraud, it's an illusion, and it hasn't even been tested. It's been one big experiment. We have an education system here in America where high schools teach students nothing other than the need to get deeply into debt to obtain a college degree that is worthless because everyone else has one. How about getting out of college and being, what, thirty, forty, fifty, sixty thousand dollars in debt? Look, we know Ivy League graduates at a law school that can't find jobs. Do you think they're going to be angry? Our nation's most prestigious Ivy League schools are teaching students delusive economic principles. Look what students at Harvard are paying hundreds of thousands of dollars to learn from their professors. On healthcare costs, um, Bob is absolutely right that healthcare spending as a percent of GDP has been rising. Um, 
and it's largely rising because of technological advance. My own forecast is that that will continue, and that should continue. So actually, I don't. I actually I'm nervous about prospects uh, to rein in healthcare costs that are too aggressive because I think that uh, healthcare advances have been a modern form of progress. Harvard is brainwashing students with absolute nonsense. Healthcare costs are not rising due to technological advances. They are rising due to government involvement. You look at the areas where government is not involved. I mean, government's not involved in, you know, in, in, in personal computers. They're not involved in, in, in cell phones. Yet the prices are falling. You know, if the government was involved, the prices wouldn't be falling. I mean, you can easily, they can easily rationalize it by saying, well, of course computer prices are going up. Look how much more sophisticated they are. Look how much more powerful they are. How could, how could the not, prices not go up? You know, they make the same arguments with education or health insurance. Well, you know, they say health insurance, well, it's so much more complicated. We have so much better procedures. You know, if there was no government involved, I'm sure health care costs would be falling. Uh, just like other costs are falling in the economy. Because the free market is the best mechanism for driving costs down. If you look at braces or you look at eye surgery or you look at uh, breast enhancements, um, these prices were really high when the technology first came out. But just like other electronics, like plasma TVs or cell phones, this stuff has all contracted. The prices have decreased. Healthcare decreases in prices everywhere the government isn't. Not only is inflation gravitating towards the area of our economy in which the government is involved in the most, but it is also beginning to gravitate towards the goods that Americans need the most, and there is nothing that Americans need more than food and agricultural products. I'm big on agriculture commodities. People need to eat. It's not an optional thing. It's not like, you know what, I really want to buy an ounce of gold, but some people can't afford it. But people can say, you know, I really want to eat, but I really can't afford it. People are going to eat. They're going to acquire food. Um, so that's why, with complete assurity, I, I know. It might sound arrogant, but I know that the prices of basic commodities and food is going to go up and going to go way up. Before, if you take a dollar, you could give your kid a dollar and they're able to buy, you know, cookie, a bag of chips, and maybe a fruit punch. That, that's pretty good for a dollar. Right now, you could get a fruit punch. And this was only two years ago. A fruit punch that we sell at 35 cents is now 69 cents. That's double. That's hyperinflated. And people don't realize it because it's such at a low level. All the basic things, that's candies, foods, the real small 25 cent things, those are all doubled in price already. Why isn't people realizing that? Look at what happens to the price of rice. As a Korean, I don't shop for rice, but you know a lot of ladies do. They didn't really realize why their that bag of rice from five dollars went to nineteen. Brazil said we're not going to take no more dollars for rice. We'd rather eat it on our own because our economy's economy is growing. And from just Brazil stopping their exports to the U.S., bags of rice went from five dollars to fifteen dollars overnight. Already, you know, I said I was trying to buy a young coconut. They were a dollar nineteen four months ago. I went to buy a young coconut. It was a dollar sixty nine. You know, 40, 50% inflation in months. People on the ground all over America are noticing the price of bread and eggs and things going up. So there's inflation in what's important, which is food. So if that's the case, it'd be better to switch those dollars for food right now 
than not to do so. We were going to see, seriously, Victory Gardens popping up all over LA and Southern California. Especially Southern California because, you know what, next year it's going to be horrible for foods. I mean, horrible in a sense that it's going to be so inflated. Because, you know, California this year, the fall harvest was wiped out. There's nothing in California. Where's the avocados? Where's the apples? Where's the pears? There's none. The inventories of agricultural products are the lowest they've been in decades. Not years, Bernie, but in decades. And we're going to have more problems. There are going to be periods when people cannot get food at any price. And this has not happened in our lifetimes. Last year, the farmers couldn't get loans for fertilizers. They had to shut down counties and counties and counties because of the water issue. Uh, there's colony collapse disorder where there's no bees in California. They've been having to import bees from Arizona, and that's not even covering uh, even 10% of the pollination. So we're going to sit a huge food shortage come next year in California. You're going to see hyperinflation big time. Look at cranberries. You know, they used to have Ocean Spray cranberry juice. Read the label. It's not real cranberries anymore. They, the, they can't afford real cranberries to make ocean spray. Remember, ocean spray was famous for using real cranberries. Mm -mm, not anymore. With food and agriculture prices starting to go through the roof, even working-class Americans are becoming dependent on food stamps. If you really want to know how this downturn is affecting people, you look at food stamp use. And right now, we're running 43% of people who are on food stamps have a job. What is going to happen when Americans receive their food stamps, but the shelves at the grocery stores that accept them are empty? What's going to happen when senior citizens receive their Social Security checks, but they aren't worth enough to pay for the gas needed to drive to the bank and cash them? Civil unrest will happen in this country because of hyperinflation. Now, what's going to happen to the entitlements? These entitlements are exploding in our faces. They're bankrupting Europe. They're bankrupting the United States. So Americans will either be broke, dumb, ignorant, and begging for more entitlements, or Americans will watch documentaries like these and educate themselves. And when this wall finally tears down, when this whole system collapses and explodes into our faces over the coming years and months, Americans have the opportunity to tear down the entitlements, to go back to an ownership and individual society where you work hard, you keep what you make, and you take care of your family. And when you can't take care of yourself, you look to family, not the government. The National Inflation Association is dedicated to helping Americans prepare for and prosper during hyperinflation. NIA will soon be releasing the world's first ever comprehensive, unbiased review of all of the major online sellers of gold and silver bullion. If you would like to receive this special upcoming report along with NIA's latest articles and updates about hyperinflation and the collapsing U.S. dollar, sign up today for the free NIA newsletter at Inflation. US. Also be sure to check out NIA's newest feature on Inflation.us called NIA Answers, where you can submit to NIA your questions about inflation and the economy and search through the database of previously answered questions.
29 million Americans were on food stamps. Today, it's 36 million Americans. That's just over one in 10. China has already surpassed us in being the largest car buyers in the world. That's not real recovery. That's borrowing money from the future generations and spending it now and then saying we're in recovery. So that's insanity. Did you hear about the Fed? No. What about the Fed? They announced another round of the quantitative easing. What does that mean? It means they are going to make large asset purchases via POMO. What does that mean? It means they are going to expand their balance sheet and buy treasuries. What does that mean? It means they are going to print a ton of money. So why do they call it the quantitative easing? Why don't they just call it the printing money? Because the printing money is the last refuge of failed economic empires and banana republics, and the Fed doesn't want to admit this is their only idea. So why do they want to print the money? Because they say we have the deflation, and the deflation is very bad. What is the deflation? The deflation is when prices of the things we buy go down. Isn't that good? Doesn't it mean the people can buy more of the stuff? Yes, but the Fed said this is bad, especially during the recession. So they think that during the recession, when the people have less money to buy the stuff, it is bad that the prices go down? Yes, the Fed would rather have the inflation. So why does the Fed think we have the deflation? Because the CPI said so. But aren't the food prices higher than a year ago? Yes. Aren't the gas prices higher than a year ago? Yes. Aren't the health care costs higher than a year ago? Yes. Aren't tuition prices higher than a year ago? Yes. Aren't the taxes higher than a year ago? Yes. Aren't the subway fares higher than a year ago? Yes. Aren't the stock prices higher than a year ago? Yes. Aren't the bond prices higher than a year ago? Yes. So what is deflating right now? The only thing deflating that I can see is the Fed's credibility. Did they have a lot of credibility to start with? No. Why not? Because the Fed has been wrong about every major economic development in the past 20 years. You mean they didn't see the internet stock bubble? No. In fact, they helped fuel the internet stock bubble. And they didn't see the housing bubble? No, in fact, they helped cause the housing bubble. And they didn't see the subprime crisis? No, in fact, they told us subprime problems were contained right before the shit hit the fan and the Lehman went bankrupt. So has the Fed ever been right about anything? Let me see if I can think of anything. Nope, nothing. Who runs the Fed? The Fed is run by the Ben Bernanke. Does the Ben Bernanke have a lot of business experience? No, the Ben Bernanke has no business experience. Does the Ben Bernanke have a lot of policy experience? No, the Ben Bernanke has no policy experience. Has the Ben Bernanke ever run in an election? No, the Ben Bernanke has never run in an election. So what qualifies him to run the Fed? I don't know, maybe the fact that he has a nice beard. But my plumber also has a nice beard, and I would not trust him to play God with the economy. No, although when you call the plumber to fix something that is broken, they usually fix it, not break it more. This is true, the plumber is clearly smarter than the Ben Bernanke. Well, that is why he became a plumber, and not an economist. How does the Fed execute the quantitative easing? They print the money, and then they buy the treasury bonds. Do they buy the treasury bonds from the treasury department? No, they buy the treasury bonds from the Goldman Sachs. You must be shitting me. No. So let me get this straight. If I want to buy the treasury bonds with my money, I can buy them directly from the treasury. 
Yes. And if you want to buy the Treasury bonds with your money, you can buy them from the Treasury. Right. But if the Ben Bernanke wants to buy the Treasury bonds using the American people's money, he does not buy them from the Treasury, he buys them from the Goldman Sachs? Exactly. And does the Goldman Sachs give them a good price? Of course not, they are the Goldman Sachs, they make their living ripping off the American people. But how is the Goldman Sachs able to do this? The Fed announces what it is going to buy, and when it is going to buy, before it does the trade. So the Goldman Sachs can front run the Fed, and give them the worst possible price on the Treasury bonds? Yes, exactly. And the Fed is okay with this blatant theft from the American people? Of course, otherwise, the Fed would just buy the Treasury bonds directly from the Treasury Department. Who inside the Fed is responsible for the buying of the Treasury bonds? The buying of the Treasury bonds is conducted by the New York branch of the Federal Reserve. And who is in charge of the New York branch? The head of the New York branch is the William Dudley. And what did the William Dudley do before running the New York Fed? Before running the New York Fed, the William Dudley was a partner at the Goldman Sachs. So the guy in charge of the American people's money when dealing with the Goldman Sachs used to be a partner at the Goldman Sachs? Yes. And nobody has a problem with this? Apparently not. Is this an episode of the Twilight Zone? I don't think so. Are you sure? Pretty sure. So what you are telling me is that the Fed thinks prices are going down when in fact they are going up? Yeah. And they think during the recession, with the high unemployment, it is better if the thing people need to buy cost more money. Correct. According to the Ben Bernanke, the inflation will create the jobs and improve the housing market. Has this ever been tried before? Yes. Just last year, the Fed tried the quantitative easing with $2 trillion. Did that create the jobs? No. Did it help the housing market? Not at all. Did it help anybody at all? Yes. It helped the Goldman Sachs. How much of the money are they printing now? $600 billion. So even though the first $2 trillion did not create the jobs or improve the housing market, the Fed decided to do another $600 billion anyway? Yes. Who put the Ben Bernanke in charge? The Ben Bernanke was first appointed by the President Bush, then he was reappointed by the President Obama. But wasn't the President Obama supposed to bring the change? Yes. How is putting in charge the same fool who has been wrong about everything, the change? Well, under the President Bush, the Ben Bernanke only blew up the American economy. Under the President Obama, he is working on blowing up the entire global economy. That does not sound like the change we can believe in. Definitely not. Who else supports the Ben Bernanke? Most economists around the world think the quantitative easing is very dangerous. Does anyone think it is a good idea? Yes, the people at the Goldman Sachs. Is this some kind of nightmare? No, it is very real. I want to bang my head against the wall. You should not do that. Why not? Because the health care is too expensive. But didn't the President Obama fix that? No, but that is the subject of a whole other video. Goodbye. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. This recording is by Mark Smith of Simpsonville, South Carolina. The famous speech of Patrick Henry to the Virginia House of Burgesses, given on March 23, 1775, and entitled, Give Me Liberty or Give Me Death.
No man thinks more highly than I do of the patriotism as well as abilities of the very worthy gentlemen who have just addressed the House. But different men often see the same subject in different lights, and therefore I hope it will not be thought disrespectful to those gentlemen if, entertaining as I do, opinions of a character very opposite to theirs, I shall speak forth my sentiments freely and without reserve. This is no time for ceremony. The question before the House is one of awful moment to this country. For my own part, I consider it as nothing less than a question of freedom or slavery. And in proportion to the magnitude of the subject ought to be the freedom of the debate. It is only in this way that we can hope to arrive at truth and fulfill the great responsibility which we hold to God and our country. Should I keep back my opinions at such a time through fear of giving offense, I should consider myself as guilty of treason toward my country and of an act of disloyalty towards the majesty of heaven, which I revere above all earthly kings. Mr. President, it is natural to man to indulge in the illusions of hope. We are apt to shut our eyes against a painful truth and listen to the song of that siren till she transforms us into beasts. Is this the part of wise men engaged in a great and arduous struggle for liberty? Are we disposed to be of the number of those who, having eyes, see not, and having ears, hear not, the things which so nearly concern their temporal salvation? For my part, whatever anguish of spirit it may cost, I am willing to know the whole truth, to know the worst, and to provide for it. I have but one lamp by which my feet are guided, and that is the lamp of experience. I know of no way of judging of the future but by the past. And judging by the past, I wish to know what there has been in the conduct of the British ministry for the last ten years to justify those hopes with which gentlemen have been pleased to solace themselves and the House. Is it that insidious smile with which our petition has been lately received? Trust it not, sir, it will prove a snare to your feet. Suffer not yourselves to be betrayed with a kiss. Ask yourselves how this gracious reception of our petition comports with those warlike preparations which cover our waters and darken our land. Are fleets and armies necessary to a work of love and reconciliation? Have we shown ourselves so unwilling to be reconciled that force must be called in to win back our love? Let us not deceive ourselves, sir. These are the implements of war and subjugation, the last arguments to which kings resort. I ask gentlemen, sir, what means this martial array, if its purpose be not to force us to submission? Can gentlemen assign any other possible motive for it? Has Great Britain any enemy in this quarter of the world to call for all this accumulation of navies and armies? No, sir, she has none. They are meant for us. They can be meant for no other. 
They are sent over to bind and rivet upon us those chains which the British ministry have been so long forging. And what have we to oppose to them? Shall we try argument? Sir, we have been trying that for the last ten years. Have we anything new to offer upon this subject? Nothing. We have held the subject up in every light of which it is capable, but it has all been in vain. Shall we resort to entreaty and humble supplication? What terms shall we find which have not already been exhausted? Let us not, I beseech you, sir, deceive ourselves. Sir, we have done everything that could be done to avert the storm which is now coming on. We have petitioned. We have remonstrated. We have supplicated. We have prostrated ourselves before the throne and have implored its interposition to arrest the tyrannical hands of the ministry and parliament. Our petitions have been slighted. Our remonstrances have produced additional violence and insult. Our supplications have been disregarded, and we have been spurned with contempt from the foot of the throne. In vain after these things may we indulge the fond hope of peace and reconciliation. There is no longer any room for hope. If we wish to be free, if we mean to preserve inviolate those inestimable privileges for which we have so long been contending, if we mean not basely to abandon the noble struggle in which we have so long been engaged, and which we have pledged ourselves never to abandon until the glorious object of our contest shall be obtained, we must fight! I repeat it, sir, we must fight! An appeal to arms and to the God of hosts is all that is left us. They tell us, sir, that we are weak, unable to cope with so formidable an adversary. But when shall we be stronger? Will it be the next week or the next year? Will it be when we are totally disarmed and when a British guard shall be stationed in every house? Shall we gather strength by irresolution and inaction? Shall we acquire the means of effectual resistance by lying supinely on our backs and hugging the delusive phantom of hope until our enemies shall have us bound hand and foot? Sir, we are not weak if we make a proper use of those means which the God of nature hath placed in our power. The millions of people armed in the holy cause of liberty and in such a country as that which we possess are invincible by any force which our enemy can send against us. Besides, sir, we shall not fight our battles alone. There is a just God who presides over the destinies of nations and who will raise up friends to fight our battles for us. The battle, sir, is not to the strong alone. It is to the vigilant, the active, and the brave. Besides, sir, we have no election. If we were base enough to desire it, it is now too late to retire from the contest. There is no retreat but in submission and slavery. Our chains are forged. Their clanking may be heard on the plains of Boston. The war is inevitable. And let it come! I repeat it, sir. Let it 
come. It is in vain, sir, to extenuate the matter. Gentlemen may cry, peace, peace, but there is no peace. The war is actually begun. The next scale that sweeps from the north will bring to our ears the clash of resounding arms. Our brethren are already in the field. Why stand we here idle? What is it that gentlemen wish? What would they have? Is life so dear or peace so sweet as to be purchased at the price of chains and slavery? Forbid it, almighty God! I know not what course others may take, but as for me, give me liberty or give me death! in the USA. What does it really cost? Well, if the U.S. federal government applied its own truth in labeling laws to the price of goods and services produced in this country, we'd quickly see 30% of the retail price goes to federal taxes. Another 10% is what it cost American businesses to comply with federal regulations. For some businesses, it's even more. Add it up. About 40% of every dollar you spend is directly attributed to federal corporation taxes and or federal income taxes. And this doesn't include the approximate 8% for state taxes and up to an additional 10% for excise taxes. Take a $30,000 car, subtract the federal taxes and regulatory costs, and that same car would cost you $18,000. A $75 sweater. Eliminate the federal taxes and regulatory costs, and the sweater would cost $45. A $60 bag of groceries, $36. A $79 pair of shoes, Forty-seven forty. A dollar value meal double cheeseburger. Sixty cents. Seem more affordable? Now take a $400,000 new home. Eliminate the federal government's share. And that same home would cost you $240,000. Eliminate federal taxes and you'd have more money in your pocket. Eliminate federal taxes, and you'd have more money to take a vacation. Eliminate federal taxes, and you'd have more money to pay off loans. Eliminate federal taxes, and you'd have more money to save for retirement. Eliminate federal taxes, and you'd have more money to buy that lake home. And that's on the things you buy. Now let's look at what they take from your paycheck. Eliminate the federal income taxes, Social Security, and Medicare deductions, and a $52,000 wage earner's net pay would jump from $1,500 to $1,986.50. Add it up. Nearly 25% of what you earn goes directly to the federal government, and 40% of what you spend goes directly to the federal government. That's 65% in hidden costs. 
cost. What do you get in return? Let's take Social Security. Depending on your income, you may pay into the system three to $500 per month. At retirement, the maximum payout is $2,053 per month. And even that is taxed if you have additional income. But what would happen if a married couple saved $300 a month each over 35 years at 7% compounded interest? You would have over $1 million. The nearly $75,000 annual interest of income alone far exceeds the Social Security maximum annual payout. And you still have your million-dollar nest egg to provide for yourself and pass down to your children, your grandchildren, or even pay for your children's education. Ready to take your money back? Reduce the tax burden on America, and all of a sudden, there's more money circulating in the economy. Take your money back, and all of a sudden, our products and services are more competitively priced at home and abroad. Take your money back, and all of a sudden, it's profitable again to manufacture products in the United States. Take your money back. And all of a sudden, American companies are hiring highly skilled, highly paid workers to meet their manufacturing demand. Take your money back. And all of a sudden, America would be the stable economic leader of the free world again. Seem far-fetched? It's not. Could the government operate without federal income taxes? Yes. Prior to 1913, there was no federal income tax. Don't we need the federal agencies that federal taxes support? No. Agencies supported by federal taxes, such as the FDA, ATF, and the IRS, are regulatory agencies. Not only are these federal agencies unconstitutional, they are illegal. The free market would regulate itself better, with greater efficiency. Americans would be richer and freer. And the cost of these agencies have grown out of control. The Bureau of Economic Analysis Statistics for 2005 reported the average salary for the 1.8 million federal civilian workers is $106,579. The average salary in the U.S. private sector is $53,289, less than half. Wouldn't charitable organizations suffer? No. Currently, 75% of American families give to charity. With more money in their pockets, Americans would be even more generous with their donations. So, what would we give up? Nothing. Since federal income taxes support only 42% of the total federal budget, the government would still operate effectively with the remaining 58% of the budget. And federal workers would be absorbed into the burgeoning economy by the private sector. To put it in perspective, Reducing the $2.8 trillion 2007 federal budget by 42% would still leave 
$1.6 trillion, the same amount as the total federal budget for 1997. There would be no need for a national sales tax that only replaces one tax for another, and it will not reduce government spending. But these numbers pale by comparison if you consider the national debt. As of January 2008, our country's public debt is over $9 trillion. The estimated population of the United States is 304 million. That means each citizen's share of the debt is $30,241, and that's over and beyond what you pay in taxes. Regardless of which political party is in control, there's no incentive for politicians to reduce spending. The only way to end this spending spree is to take away the government's checkbook and credit card and let them know the joyride is over. show host Terry Anderson, known from Washington, D.C. to Los Angeles for articulating the popular rage, sat down with Californians for Population Stabilization to discuss the impact illegal immigration has had on black Americans. Anderson, who grew up in South Central Los Angeles and lives there still today, says that blacks in particular have suffered at job sites and in classrooms as a result of explosive illegal immigration. As he likes to say, if you ain't mad, you ain't paying attention. The new threat in this new millennium is politicians, mostly Democrats, but some of these rotten bastards happen to be Republicans also, but mostly Democrats, who are willing to not only look the other way, but are taking a proactive stance in making sure that the laws are not enforced under any circumstances. One of the most vile, heinous, anti-American representations of the new lawlessness is Speaker of the House, Representative Nancy Pelosi. She is two accidents away from being the President of the United States, and recently she said that the enforcement of our current immigration laws are, quote, un-American, unquote. Unbelievable. Uh, I've lived in South Central L.A. my whole life. Uh, I saw the deterioration due to the illegal alien invasion. And one day I started listening to talk radio, and it happened to be George Putnam, who we all know. And uh, I kind of thought I was the only person involved in this. Well, not involved. I was the only person who felt this way. Thought I was by myself, and I heard people call his show just as angry as I was. And I got more involved in talk radio. I, I looked around the neighborhood. I saw the, the, the denseness. 10, 20 people living in a two-bedroom house. 
four and five cars at each house, uh, corn growing in the front yard, chickens, goats in yards. This is all the stuff we never had when I was growing up there in the 50s and 60s. And all of a sudden we had it. I knew something was wrong. And then I got kind of... Uh, aware of things when I saw the amnesty of 1986. I said, I was a very non-political guy, but even as non-political as I was, I said, this ain't going to work, because if they do this, more will come. And that's what happened. Very slow in the 50s, almost non-existent. Uh, in the 60s, it began to change, basically, from a white culture to a black culture. And then all of a sudden, in the late 70s, early 80s, it started to change to an, what I thought at that time was an immigrant culture. I later found out it was illegal aliens. And then it became very fast-paced. From, I would say, 85 until the present, present, it has just been unbelievably fast. Well, right now, if you're black in South Central LA, you can't get work. I'm not, there are people working. But if you go to McDonald's, you're a 15, 16-year-old kid, you go to McDonald's for an after-school job, weekend job, summer job, they want you to be bilingual. Bilingual to flip a hamburger, okay? Are there some black kids working in South Central in McDonald's and Jack in the Box? Yes, there are, but the majority are not. You will go into these places now. There used to be all black kids working there, are now all Hispanics with the one token black kid in there. Uh, construction work, non existent for blacks, non existent. I remember when they built the Magic Johnson Theater uh, owned by Sony and Magic Johnson. Uh, it was an all white crew building this movie theater in the Crenshaw Mall. Black construction workers got very angry, picketed, went there and said, we want at least 50% of these jobs, which was correct. And they got 50% of the jobs. Now, you've got all these black construction workers out of jobs with no work, and every construction site now is all Hispanic, mostly illegal alien, and no black politician is saying a word. Even the janitors are becoming non-existent blacks. The only place that I've seen black folks still have a strong foothold, and that's slipping away, school janitors, LA Unified, okay, and bus drivers, LA Unified bus drivers, that Unified School District. That's the only place I still see a lot of blacks working. And the, the ticket agency to write your parking tickets is still predominantly black. Every other aspect of, of, of labor in South Central LA is now Hispanic. Well, you know, when it was whitey, you want half of his. But when it's another, and I hate this word, but I'll use it because you asked me. When it's another minority, unquote, then it's okay. As long as the minorities get into work, black folks say, well, it's okay. And I say black folks, I mean black leaders. The black rank and file, you talk to them in the grocery store, you go to Pep Boys and talk to them, you go to the bank and talk to them, they will tell you they're fed up with this invasion. But the leaders will not let the public know that. There's two reasons why the, the, the black construction workers won't pick it. Number one, it's futile now, okay? They just know there's just no way they're going to get a job anyway. The other reason is the, 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 the numbers have been so decimated. We've been diluted now. A lot of blacks have moved out of that area. They've moved out to Lancaster, uh, uh, Palmdale, Moreno Valley. They've also moved back down south where the, where the parents got a plot of land or something. You know, Louisiana, Mississippi, Alabama. They've moved down there. So the numbers are down now, so they don't have any strength. The other thing is the third reason. The third reason is is because of stigma. They're afraid of being labeled a racist. They, they are scared to death of that word. And they figure if they speak up, they're going to be labeled. Whenever you hear a black person speak up on this invasion issue, they'll always do a disclaimer first. I, I, I'm not against anybody. I like everybody. I love everybody. But it's always that way. They always do the disclaimer first, and then they say what's on their mind. 
I was at a, an event that, that Bernard Parks was there at the time. He was a what do you city councilman now? He's a city councilman then. Yeah. He, he's in the eighth district, okay, which is very near where I live. There are construction projects in the same block where his office is. They're all Hispanic, and he doesn't say one word about it. He told us at the meeting that night over in West LA that he. He's, he, he was very adamant that 90% of construction workers in the city, not county, city of Los Angeles, were white. And everybody in this meeting asked him, what are you smoking? Yeah. Because, you know, they wanted some. Where, where is this at? Because, number one, there are zero white construction workers in L.A., and it just, just doesn't happen. Secondly, the, 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 to even say that about the county would have been ridiculous, but the city is just really, really stupid. And he actually said that that night, and everybody just laughed out loud. He's, he's an idiot. He really is. I have a theory, okay, and I believe it's correct, and I've done a lot of study on this. I've been to Washington, D.C., talked to all of them. It started out as get whitey. Okay? Start out as get whitey. We're going to bring in these other, here's this word again, it keeps popping up. We're going to bring in this other group of minorities who are going to dilute whitey's power. Okay? They're going to dilute whitey's power. And then as the group started coming in, it became a tide that couldn't be reversed. So then it became, well, let's be nice to them and maybe they'll vote for us. Well, they did in some cases, until they got one of their own to, to run for office. When I say one of their own, I'm not knocking all Hispanic Americans, because I love Hispanic Americans. I'm saying that a lot of Hispanic Americans are race-based, just as Maxine Water, Waters and Diane Watson and Jackson Lee and the rest are race-based. They believe in black only. Well, these Hispanic leaders believe in the same thing, and they side with illegal aliens. Our problem being black, we don't have any illegal aliens to side with that's going to give us power. But the Hispanics do. And then it became with the Black Caucus, well... Wow, look what's happening. But if we speak up now, we'll sound like the white Republicans, so we better not. So it went from get whitey to maybe they'll vote for us to, wow, the water's boiling. Jamil Shaw is a very tragic case. We've got other cases, uh, Highland Park, where three or four blacks were killed just for being black. Uh, Canoga Park, where the LAPD gave a vocal warning to black folks, do not go to Canoga Park because your life could be in danger. Harbor City, man was walking his daughter to the grocery store one evening, a Mexican guy shot him in the back because he was black. The, the young girl, 204th Street, was killed because she was black. My point is this, there are sections of Los Angeles where blacks cannot go. If a black person goes to East L.A. and tries to buy a house, they will kill him. They will burn him out. It is, it's happened. But there's Hispanics living in all the previous black projects, the Jordan Downs, Nickerson Gardens, Imperial Courts, Pueblo del Rio, all of these projects, housing projects, that were once 100% black now are 50-50, and no Hispanic has been attacked because he was Hispanic. My point is there's a place where we can't go, but there's no place they can't go. What do you attribute the uh, reluctance of the Latino leadership in the city of Los Angeles up to, including Mayor Villarosa, to not speak more candidly and more aggressively about this issue? Very simple. They don't have to. Why would they speak up? They're winning. Their numbers are taking over. They're, they're going to be the 80% Los Angeles someday. Uh, they're taking over. Why would they speak up on our behalf? There's no reason to. They don't need us anymore. Villarosa can get elected without us now. I, I go out into the community. Wherever I'm at, I, I ask questions. I don't tell them who I am. And that's the thing about being on radio, people don't really know what you look like. But I go out into the black community and I talk all the time to people and I, you know, I may be in line somewhere. I say, man, what do you think about so-and-so and so-and-so? Man, they'll turn around and say, man, I thought I was the only one. 
they all say the very same thing. We're in bad shape in this city. This used to be a uh, multicultural city. It no longer is. There's no diversity in Los Angeles City anymore. And those same black people will tell you that they've got a relative who can't get a job. They've got a neighbor who plays loud mariachi music. They've got a neighbor who grows corn in his front yard. They'll tell you about their child in school who's in bilingual education and not learning a damn thing. They, they'll tell you all of this, every one of them. But if you ask them to stand up and come to a rally, they won't do it because they're afraid. I go to these churches. These churches have uh, town hall meetings. And I've been to a lot of these town hall meetings. Every time they have them, they'll bring in Tony Mohammed and uh, Earl Ofari Hutchinson and some of these other, quote, black leaders, unquote, self-appointed black leaders. They'll bring them in, and they are the only ones who take the pro-illegal alien position. And sometimes the minister of the church will. You know, that's about the money in the plate. But the black constituency that comes to these meetings is always 95 to 99 percent in favor of deportation of every one of them. And it's not just the black kids. No, no. The, Ameri the American Hispanics who don't speak Spanish, oh, they're, they're in trouble too. You know, they, they, com they complain. They call this radio show. They come in here and, and, and talk to me. I get emails from them all the time. The, the problem with the education system is a few years ago, we were closing schools in this, in this city because of under-enrollment, which is not necessarily a bad thing. Population had slowed down. They were combining schools, and every once in a while they would close one. We just built... 165 new schools, 165 new schools. They were after 165,000 classroom seats, okay? All for what? It wasn't for the American kids. Americans aren't having a lot more kids. These were for an influx of people new to this country who happen to be Hispanic, happen not to speak any English, and happen to be in the country illegally. That's what happened. Or the, the, the illegal aliens came here and had babies here. My great-grandfather. My great-grandfather was a slave in the state of Louisiana. Obviously, I never met him. But the ancestry handed down to me by those who came before me, my aunts and uncles and my father, and they all told me the stories of what it was like because it was passed on to them. And one of the greatest moments in our history was the day we were emancipated. Uh, we were emancipated with the Civil War, but we still had to have, a, uh, we had to have something passed that said officially we were no longer property, we were now citizens, and anything born to us was citizens. That was written for my ancestors, okay. Having said that, we've got a new misinterpretation of it that everybody from the world has used to come here and have babies and make them American citizens. It is wrong, it is a misinterpretation, and it angers me personally because it was written for my ancestors and now it's being misused and therefore used against me. I'm suffering from it now because of the influx of so many people and their, and their progeny that they have once they get here. I'm suffering from that. My kids and my grandkids are going to suffer because they took an amendment meant for us and turned it around against us. That's outrageous. The media basically at large won't touch this issue as, as in any form. And when they do, it's always pro-illegal alien. When they do touch it, as far as consequences to other people, it's alleged that this is hurting black folks. It's alleged that this did this. It's alleged that they're costing us tax dollars. It's never a fact that it's happening, even though they know it's a fact. The only avenue of media uh, where we have a fair shake is talk radio, conservative talk radio. And even that sucks sometimes. Hannity 
one of the most powerful people in this country who could really do us a lot of good on this issue, and a guy that I would like to have a beer with. I think he's a nice guy. But Hannity sucks on this issue. All he talks about is the border, the border, the border, the border. There's more to the border. When's he going to do our show on what's happening to these communities, these kids that are getting murdered by illegal aliens, the fact that we can't get jobs, the fact that teenagers have to speak Spanish to flip a hamburger? Where's the Hannity show on that? Where's even a segment on that on his radio, on his television program? You won't find it. O'Reilly, here's another powerful guy who, who tells us we're going to have to amnesty this 20, 25 million people. What is that? That These are lawbreakers, and you're saying, well, we have to amnesty them. We can't round them all up. We don't have to round them up. Make enough, enough effort to enforce the laws on the books. You make it where they can't educate, they can't medicate, they can't incarcerate. Make it where they can't buy a house, they can't open a business, they can't rent an apartment, and I guarantee you, they'll go home. What about the, 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 the janitors in West L.A., Century City, Beverly Hills, who were making black janitors, some, some white, who were making $12 an hour 15 years ago? That was great money. That was great money. All of a sudden, the, the, the owners... The building owners got together in collusion, broke the union, hired Hispanic illegal aliens from Mexico and El Salvador. They came in. They said, we, we're going to, you guys, minimum wage was five and a quarter, I believe. They says, uh, we'll give you five and a quarter fine. They went and told the black and white employees, we'll give you five and a quarter. You can keep your job. Well, if a guy's making $12 an hour, he's got, he's got insurance payments, house note, kids, car payment, all set up around 12 bucks. $5 an hour will kill him. He can't, he can't survive, so they lost their jobs. So guess what happened? The illegal aliens came in, got all the jobs, and then went on strike. And then messy Jesse Jackson marched downtown L.A. holding a broom in his hand, wow. talking about justice for janitors. I mean, unbelievable. He, he, he's supposed to be Mr. Black. He's supposed to be, I'm so for the black community. These guys just put his people out of work, Americans, out of work, and he marches with a mop in his hand talking about justice for janitors. I, I think it's going to get worse, but I think one thing that might save us, and I hate to use this as a savior, is this economic situation. Uh, I think that's going to slow things down. I think amnesty will be a hard sell now with so many people out of work. It was a stupid idea in good times. In bad times, it's absolutely outrageous. But in Los Angeles itself, uh, I don't think we're done, but I think unless we get some more American thinking back into this, this city, and, and, and less left-wing, liberal, uh, idiotic ideologies that are taking place where you give everything away to anybody who wants it, whether they're legal or illegal. I think we're, we're sunk pretty much for quite a while. As we progressed and the races came together, we started to drift off into this black pride, black awareness thing, which I never really got, but I saw it and liked it and didn't like it. It brought us together in one way, but it also kept us from being full Americans. But we never ever talked about taking over a country. We never talked about, we had no Aslan. We never talked about reclaiming a part of America for our race or for some previous country we came from or continent. We never flew a foreign flag. We never did any of that. And that's what angers me now. These, these young Hispanic kids now, they, if you ask them, kids that are second and third generation uh, uh, Californians, Americans, will tell you they're Mexican. I'm Mexican. I hear them say it all the time. Wasn't your mother born? Yeah. Wasn't your mother and father's mother born? Yeah. But I'm Mexican. I'm not American. I'm Mexican.
But when you've got a country, and I'm not against immigration, I, I, I want to cut it way back, but I think we need some fresh blood every once in a while. But when you have this many people coming this fast illegally, guess what? They don't have to. They don't have to assimilate. They can keep their own 100% culture. Same culture they ran away from, they can drag here. Terry Anderson's show can be heard every Sunday night in Los Angeles on KRLA 870 AM from 9 to 10 PM. Other stations carrying his show can be found at theterryandersonshow.com. For more information on how you can help, go to www.capsweb.org. morning. I'm still reporting on the Clintons. Remember the September 7th Commander-in-Chief Forum where Donald Trump and Hillary Clinton appeared separately but back-to-back for 30 minutes each? According to an email forwarded to us late last night and originated from a Comcast email address, the technical crew for NBC, which produced the event, is now speaking out about what took place moments after Clinton walked off the set, a massive profanity-laced tirade aimed at NBC's host, Matt Lauer. It turned out that Clinton had been fed all the questions for approval in advance of the forum. But then, after the approval process, Matt Lauer had a change of heart and decided he would start his questioning with an unapproved line concerning Clinton's use of an illegal private server for her sometimes classified work-related emails. Let me ask you something ahead of time that I'll ask Mr. Trump in a half an hour. To the best of your ability tonight, can we talk about your qualities and your qualifications to be Commander-in-Chief and not use this as an opportunity to attack Mr. Trump, all right? And I'll ask him the exact same thing. I think that's an exactly right way to proceed. Okay. This is a very important decision uh, for our country, and each of us should be presenting our experience, our expertise, and our plans to protect and defend the United States and our allies around the world. What is the most important characteristic that a commander-in-chief can possess? Steadiness. An absolute rock steadiness and mixed with strength to be able to make the hard decisions because I've had the unique experience of watching and working with several presidents. So judgment is a key. Temperament and judgment, yes. The word judgment has been used a lot around you, Secretary Clinton, mm-hmm. over the last year and a half, and in particular concerning your use of your personal email mm-hmm. and, and server to communicate while you were Secretary of State. You said it's a mistake. Mm-hmm. You said you made not the best choice. Mm-hmm. You were communicating on highly sensitive topics. Why wasn't it more than a mistake? Why wasn't it disqualifying if you want to be Commander in Chief? Well, Matt, first of all, as I have said repeatedly, Uh, It was a mistake uh, to have a personal account. I would certainly not do it again. I make no excuses for it. Uh, It was something that should not have been done. But the real question is the handling of classified material, which is, I think, what the implication of your question was. And for all the viewers watching you tonight, I have a lot of experience dealing with classified material, starting when I was on the Senate Armed Services Committee, going into the four years of Secretary of State. Classified material has a header which says top secret, secret, confidential, nothing. And I will, I will repeat this, and this is verified in the report by the Department of Justice. None of the emails sent or received by me 
had such a header. Of Director their Comey also said this after reviewing all the information. He said there is evidence to support a conclusion that any reasonable person in Secretary Clinton's position should have known that an unclassified system was no place for that conversation. Well, Matt. I, I just respectfully point. According to a Comcast official, the parent company of NBC Universal, who apparently was quoting those on the set, when Matt posed the one legitimate question about the FBI investigation concerning her homemade server and the unsecured emails, we could see she was beginning to boil. According to an NBC associate producer of the forum, as soon as Clinton got off the set, she exploded. Hillary proceeded to pick up a full glass of water and throw it at the face of her assistant, and then the screaming started. She was in a full meltdown, and no one on her staff dared speak with her. She went kind of manic and did not have control over herself at that point. How these people work with this woman is amazing to me. She really didn't seem to care who heard any of it. So judgment is a key. Temperament and judgment, yes. You really had to see this to believe it. She came apart, literally unglued. She is the most foul-mouthed woman I've ever heard. And that voice, at screech level, awful. So judgment is a key. Temperament and judgment, yes. She screamed she'd get that effing Lauer fired for this. Referring to Donald Trump, Clinton said, if that effing bastard wins, we all hang from nooses. Lauer's finished, and if I lose, it's all on your heads for screwing this up. So crooked Hillary fears the gallows, eh? Interesting. So judgment is a key. Temperament and judgment, yes. Her dozen or more aides were visibly disturbed and tried to calm her down when she started shaking uncontrollably as she screamed to get an executive at Comcast, the parent company of NBC Universal, on the phone. Then two rather large aides grabbed her and helped her walk to her car. Matt Lauer was massively criticized for the rest of the week on air by the Clinton campaign and the rest of the MSM as having conducted an unfair and partisan attack on Clinton. According to the email, calls were made to the New York Times, the Washington Post, Huffington Post, and Twitter executives with orders to crush Matt Lauer. One staffer on the Clinton campaign told the NBC staff that they all fear Clinton's wrath and uncontrollable outbursts, and one described Hillary as an egotistical psychopath. Since Hillary does not allow any staff to have cell phones when she is in their presence, no footage is available. Interim DNC chairman Donna Brazile, the first black woman to hold the position, was singled out by Hillary during the rant. She screamed at Donna, I'm so sick of your face. You stare at the wall like a brain-dead buffalo while letting that effing lower get away with this. What are you good for, really? Get to work. Janitoring this mess. Do I make myself clear? So judgment is a key. Temperament and judgment, yes. A female NBC executive said that Donna Brazile looked at Mrs. Clinton and never flinched, which seemed to enrage Hillary all the more. The executive continued, it was the most awful and terrible and racist display, such a profane meltdown I've ever witnessed from anyone and I will never forget it. So judgment is a key. Temperament and judgment, yes. That woman should never see the inside of the Oval Office, I can tell you that.
She was unhinged and just continued to verbally abuse everyone. She was out of control. Why did Lauer ask his rogue question? According to sources close to Lauer, because the American people deserve an answer from the former Secretary of State. Now, having said all this, why aren't I 50 points ahead? Here's your problem. Someone set this thing to evil. I'm still reporting from Washington. Good day. president in 2008, the media hounded him until he released his medical records. McCain was shot down over Vietnam. He was injured. He was captured. He was tortured. I think liberals were being mean-spirited about it. They were trying to demean his heroism. But look, fair is fair. If someone wants to lead the free world, voters should know that he's physically and mentally fit. Which brings us to Hillary Clinton. I'm not just talking about those endless coughing fits. <coughs> Excuse me. Excuse me. Uh, excuse me, just one second here. I mean, when you're doing public speaking, it's easy for your throat to get dry. <clears throat> so you have a drink of water. But seriously, it's all the time with Clinton. And I've heard of taking a cough drop or even throat spray, but who takes a medical pill because they're coughing? <laughs> what kind of pill do you take when you're coughing? There's little weird things, like the fact that she always needs to be propped up on pillows when she sits. Once you notice it, you can't look away. She's always being propped up with pillows. She needs help standing or climbing stairs. It just doesn't seem normal. Or maybe it is normal for someone who is sick or weak. Everyone slips and trips from time to time. If you or I had a camera on us all the time, it would be easy to exaggerate a single incident, like tripping while boarding an airplane. But it's tough to exaggerate a concussion and a blood clot in your brain that sends you to the hospital. And that's exactly what happened to Hillary Clinton four years ago. Do you know how serious that injury was? She went back to work in arguably the second most important job in America, and she was still so banged up weeks later, her head was still so injured that she was seeing double. Do you see those strange glasses she was wearing? Do you see that weird prism in the lenses? That's called a Fresnel prism. It's to counter double vision. She was seeing double. Is that why she needs a handrail all the time? Is that why she needs to be helped up? How did she get that concussion in the first place? Did, did she fall and why? Did, did she have a seizure or something? I mean, what's this all about? Now, the Clinton spin doctors say that seizure there was just a joke. You know, Hillary Clinton, renowned for her sense of humor, was just having a little fun. A little pretend seizure in a media scrum, totally normal. She's always yucking it up like that. She's always such a practical joker, that Hillary. <laughs> really? I thought only Donald Trump did entertaining gags like that. Not someone who 
had a blood clot in their brain and a concussion and Fresnel glasses. She insists on sitting down whenever she can, either propped up with a pillow or on a stage with a stool nearby. In the Democratic debates against Bernie Sanders, where she had to stand for prolonged periods of time, she took extremely long breaks during commercials. Really weird. I mean, these were live nationally televised debates. And everyone was waiting for Hillary Clinton to come back. From where? From the bathroom? From some sort of medical treatment? Sorry. Who knows? Maybe this guy knows, always seen with her, but he's not Secret Service. You'd think he is, based on how close he stays to Clinton, but he's a paramedic. You can see by the badge he sometimes wears. He carries an injection device. Maybe it's an EpiPen, maybe it's an anti-seizure injector. Always just a few feet away from Hillary Clinton. And whenever she gets flustered and confused, and maybe she's gonna have another one of those seizures, He's immediately there, walks right up to her, and sometimes tells her exactly what words to say. advisor. He's not security. He's her paramedic, taking her through a stressful situation. She could have used his help here. And improve it and get the cost out of a upward spiral. Don't you think that's weird? Don't you think it at least warrants full disclosure, like John McCain did with his medical history? Here's a New York Times journalist saying that Google should actually suppress information about Hillary Clinton's health issues. That tells you what you already knew. The media party is just a wing of the Democratic Party. You can't trust the media. But also, look, if there's no bad news about her health, you don't need to suppress it, do you? If you have to suppress something, that means there is something to suppress. The lack of candor, the lack of disclosure, combined with the odd observations, leads to speculation. And the mainstream media are not asking normal accountability questions. Are you at least curious about this? I mean, why does Hillary Clinton always wear the strangest pantsuits? I mean, not even normal pantsuits, but things that look like they're specifically tailored, always in a strange style. I mean, obviously, Clinton is a 69-year-old woman. She's not going to wear form-fitting clothes like, say, Melania Trump. But are her clothes deliberately tailored to conceal things underneath, medical devices, a defibrillator, something like that? I don't know. I'm just speculating. But when the New York Times not only doesn't report on the truth, but demands that no other media be allowed to report on it either, you know it's a question at least worth asking. I mean, don't you think we ought to know if a U.S. presidential candidate is healthy, mentally and physically? Do you think being president is a stressful job? Maybe just a bit. Do you think negotiating with Vladimir Putin or the Iranians or the North Koreans is a little bit tiring and stressful? Who's going to be making the decisions, Clinton or that unnamed personal paramedic? No, you okay. Keep talking. You handle it. We're not going anywhere. 
Maybe we ought to know who he is and what his mandate is. Look, we know that Clinton gets easily confused. Don't take it from me. Take it from Huma Abedin, her personal advisor and closest aide. Here's an email that Clinton originally hid from the public that was released only after a court ordered her to. Check it out. Start from the bottom in this email chain. Huma Abedin, Clinton's closest aide, emails another aide and asks, have you been going over calls with her for tomorrow? And the second aide replies, she was in bed for a nap by the time I heard. Now, this email exchange was at 5 p.m. She's napping at 5 p.m. And then Huma Abedin writes back and says, very important to do that. She's often confused. Oh, oh, great. Now, this was three and a half years ago. She's often confused. Blood clot, concussion, Fresnel prism glasses, seizures, having naps at 5 p.m. a grown-up? needs to be told things by her age because she's often confused. We're in the best of hands here, aren't we? Now look, Hillary Clinton has illegally deleted tens of thousands of emails that were the property of the U.S. government. It's obvious why. She's hiding her tracks for all the dirty deals and corrupt conversations she's had over the years, especially in regards to the corrupt Clinton family foundations, which have taken in hundreds of millions of dollars in donations while she was Secretary of State, while she's campaigning for president, and those donations have even come in from foreign governments like Saudi Arabia. They are literally sending her multi-million dollar bribes. It's not for charity. Less than 10% of Clinton Foundation money goes to charitable activities. It's all graft. But we were able to see some glimpses of some of her emails, as I just showed you. Thousands of her emails have come to, uh, come to light through a public interest lawsuit filed against the State Department by a nonprofit group called Judicial Watch. Here's another one of those emails that Clinton tried to hide that Judicial Watch got. Start from the bottom of this email exchange. Now, this is from 2009. Clinton wrote, do you think we could get a plane for Westchester flight back tonight? It's going to rain all day and I still don't feel great. So the idea of playing a guessing game with the shuttle is really burdensome on me. What do you think? Could be any time that works for the Air Force. So she was too sick, too frail, too tired, even to fly on a regular plane. She needed the Air Force to spend, send her a special plane. Now, this was in 2009. That was seven years ago. That was before her concussion, before her blood clot, before her coughing fits. How long has she been so sick and tired and needing naps, as Huma Abedin says, so easily confused? Here, let me show you some more. Here, this is an email from 2013. Hillary Clinton is about to meet the foreign minister of France, Laurent Fabius. So it's an important meeting. But look at the email. It's sent at about 2.20 in the afternoon on a Friday. Two in the afternoon. And Huma Abedin tells Clinton, reminder... Fabius at 3.30, take a nap. This was no joke. Clinton wrote back, we'll try. I'm sorry, what, what adult has naps at all, let alone at 2.20 p.m.? Naps? And it's such an important issue that her staff has to tell her to do it. They know something is wrong or something will be wrong if she doesn't have a nap. Now, I went to an archive of Clinton emails. Again, these are ones that a court ordered the State Department to disclose. They were hiding them. We still haven't seen tens of thousands of emails that Clinton deleted. But I just typed in the word sleep into a search engine of those emails. No big deal. Just the word sleep. I didn't even type in nap or sick or sick.
teaser or anything. Here's what I found, and these are just emails in random order. In December of 2012, this email. Hillary, I'm relieved to hear you're going back to work. Hope you are feeling well and got some sleep too. It's from Sid Blumenthal. Hope you, hope you better, what was wrong? How long was she out of commission? Now the concussion in question was nearly three weeks before this note. How long was Clinton out? What actually happened to her? But look at her response on the same email. She wrote to a staffer, did I already respond? Are, are you kidding me? Hillary Clinton didn't know if she had responded yet, she was confused, she was disoriented. Still, three weeks after the concussion, I mean, I guess she was well enough to type, but she was so confused, maybe she needed a nap. And yes, look at the reply to her. She had already responded. Hillary Clinton couldn't remember what she was doing. Can you imagine her dealing with an operator like Vladimir Putin? Who would be in the room to whisper things like, did I answer already, or who is that man? Here's an email from 2011. Now, this is a gushing profile in Harper's Magazine about how great Hillary Clinton is, sent to her. But again, little signs of problems even then. This is from the article. She is also a champion napper. Reigns notes that in her cabin on her special air mission plane, Clinton can sleep through both takeoff and landing. I often sleep through both, yeah, she says. How? Because I'm so tired. I think I'm chronically exhausted. Chronically exhausted, eh? I love how that was phrased. She's a champion napper. It's such a good thing to be low energy. <laughs> Here's another one. Like I say, these naps and confusions go back to 2009, her first year in office, probably before that too. Here's one from mid-2012, before her concussion. Again, this is a loving story from the Associated Press that was sent to Hillary Clinton as a press clipping. She loves to read her fan mail. And the story was called Hillary Clinton Breaks Travel Record. Another puff piece, but look at these sentences in the middle of the story. Even with a bed on the plane and her uncanny ability to sleep mid-flight, the grueling schedule can take its toll. Clinton suffered a rare coughing fit as she finished a speech before the U.S. Chamber of Commerce in Hanoi. And while she insisted that she would have preferred to stay all day, as birds sang in Kabul's presidential palace, she rushed away when Afghan President Hamid Karzai suggested taking additional questions. Arriving in Egypt this weekend after a flight from Cambodia, Clinton and her staff literally didn't know what time it was. A rare coughing fit, eh? Yeah, not so rare. Rushing away and avoiding questions. I like that line about an uncanny ability to have naps. In a plane with a full bed, is that an uncanny ability? That's a pretty positive way of spinning that she's exhausted all the time. I have an uncanny ability to have naps and take breaks. I'm a champion napper, <laughs> the media, eh? But it seems that Hillary Clinton herself knew there was a problem. Look at this email from back in 2010. She asks a staff member to print a bunch of articles for her. What are they all about? Sleep and weight loss from a thyroid website. Importance of sleep from a Harvard website. Metabolism and weight also from a Harvard website. What exactly is going on with her? 
Well, maybe like all of the rest of us, she's just curious about health, just wanting to check up on some questions, no biggie, except she says she's always exhausted. A champion napper sleeps all the time, and her staff tell her to sleep. I'm sorry, that's not normal. Not for someone in her position. And do you think it's better or worse now, six years later? Well, here's a bizarre and shocking one from 2011, sent to her by Jake Sullivan, her deputy chief of staff at the time. So it was obviously important. The subject line in the email is provigil. What on earth is that? Well, Sullivan explains. It's a drug used by the military to deal with sleepiness. Provigil is used to treat excessive sleepiness caused by narcolepsy or shift work sleep disorder, sleepiness during scheduled waking hours among people who work at night or on rotating shifts. It is also often prescribed to treat excessive sleepiness in patients with Parkinson's, Alzheimer's, and multiple sclerosis. Does Hillary Clinton have one of those diseases? Does she have narcolepsy? Does she have Parkinson's? What's wrong with her? And is it impacting her ability to make decisions? Well, let me show you one more document from 2011. Do you suffer from decision fatigue is the subject line sent to Clinton from her staff. And she writes back, quote, wow, that is spooky descriptive. Really? What did it say that was so spooky? They made Hillary Clinton say, wow, why did her staff send it to her in the first place? It's a long article, so I'll just quote one key paragraph. Here, listen to this. Decision fatigue helps explain why ordinarily sensible people get angry at colleagues and families, splurge on clothes, buy junk food at the supermarket, and can't resist the dealer's offer to rush-proof their new car. No matter how rational and high-minded you try to be, you can't make a decision after decision without paying a biological price. It's different from ordinary physical fatigue. You're not consciously aware of being tired, but you're low on mental energy. The more choices you make throughout the day, the harder each one becomes for your brain, and eventually it looks for shortcuts, usually in either of two very different ways. One shortcut is to become reckless, to act impulsively instead of expending the energy to first think through the consequences. Sure, tweet that photo, what could go wrong? The other shortcut is the ultimate energy saver. Do nothing. Instead of agonizing over decisions, avoid any choice. Ducking a decision often creates bigger problems in the long run, but for the moment, it eases the mental strain, unquote. Look, being president is the most stressful job in the world. You're making decisions from the moment you wake up to the moment you go to bed. You need energy, both physical and mental. You need to be able to make decisions in the morning and at night and sometimes in the middle of the night. Like say, for example, when terrorists attack the US consulate in Benghazi, you can't say you're just really tired and push pause. You can't have a nap. You have to make a decision. Look, I don't know. Maybe the coughing thing is just a cough. Maybe the weird clothing is just a personal style. Maybe she's not hiding any medical devices. Maybe that male paramedic is just a, an aid of some sort. I don't know. I do know she's acting pretty strange. For six years, she's been sleep-deprived, a champion napper, chronically exhausted, in her own words. She's been researching medical conditions and exotic drugs. 
She had a concussion and a blood clot. She was seeing double. She didn't even know if she had written back to close friends. Her staff tells her to nap. Her staff says she's easily confused. This is an important issue that needs to be addressed before the election. What exactly is wrong with Hillary Clinton? And just as important, why won't the mainstream media ask basic questions? Questions they had no problem asking when it was a Republican named John McCain. For the Rebel.media, I'm Ezra Levant. Thanks for watching. Click here to never miss a Rebel update. Want even more of the Rebel? Well, click here to become a premium member. Studies have shown that the farm soil we get our vegetables from is dead, meaning it is depleted of minerals. Sulfur is a mineral. Sulfur has been depleted from the soil, which means most people have been depleted of sulfur. Sulfur has been found to transport oxygen throughout the body. You need oxygen. You need organic sulfur. American Voice Radio Network has organic sulfur. Go to AmericanVoiceRadio.com and then to the Superstore to order your organic sulfur. It's your choice. Do you want to feel better or not? Don't forget to tune in to the Sulfur Hour Plus One on AmericanVoiceRadio.com, Thursdays, 6 p.m. Pacific. Since the beginning of the United States, kings have sought it, nations have fought for it. It has been traded, borrowed, purchased, and stolen. There is a reason for it. To secure the blessings of liberty to ourselves and our posterity, invest with the security of gold and silver. Call Discount Gold and Silver Trading at 1-800-375-4188. That's 1-800-375-4188. Listen to Financial Survival with your host, Melody Cedarstrom, on American Voice Radio Network and Shortwave Radio. Visit DiscountGoldAndSilverTrading.net or call 1-800-375-4188. That's 1-800-375-4188. For the very best in gold and silver trading, call toll-free 1-800-375-4188. That's 1-800-375-4188. Call now. Financial Survival, and I'm here with my co-host, 
Alfred Adisk, to bring you our opinion and commentary on today's economic and political events for Monday, September 12th, 2016. Good afternoon, Al. Well, gold once again was all over the page today in the New York spot price after market. We see gold up 220, 220, but it had some wide, wild swings today uh, during trading uh, sessions. Uh, so we're looking at $1,160. $3. We have silver up 24 cents, back up over 17 at $17.16. Platinum was up 17 at $936. And palladium was down 8 at 725 The USDX today, I'm going to have a chance to look at that today. Yeah, it's a little weaker, 0.58 to the downside at 100.99. 100.99. Crude oil was up 83 today at 52.33. And the paper markets today, I believe the Dow was higher for most of the day. If my page appears to me properly here today, if not, I'll have to take the numbers from, oh, here we go. Come on. Would you like some help? Melody? No, I don't. Okay. I don't. I'll just take it. These numbers um, are probably not the last numbers through. You have the Dow up 36 points at 19,793. The S&P was down a couple points at 2,256. The NASDAQ was down 32 at 54.12. And if I can get, uh, we'll update those if there's been any major changes, um, you know, from the final numbers coming through today. You had the Treasury 10-year yields. They climbed above 2.5% for the first time since 2014 on surging oil prices. And uh, you had oil rise to an 18-month high today after OPEC and some of its rivals have reached their first deal since 2001 to reduce output. Um, Saturday, producers from outside the OPEC, uh, led by Russia, agreed to reduce output um, short of the target, but still decided to uh, at least agreed to reduce the output. Uh, this is following the OPEC agreement on November 30th um, uh, to cut one by 1.2 million uh, BPDs for six months from January 1st. You have Saudi six months. Mm-hmm. Let's see. Oh, that's the life expectancy. Of the agreement is just six months. We'll see. Uh, but for the deal to be effective, all parties must stick to their word, and that is the the key. Part of the agreement. Everybody has to stick to their word. But so it's kind of like playing liar's poker is what we're really going on here. <laughs> Perhaps. Mm-hmm. But the higher prices also raise the chances of other producers boosting output, particularly the U.S. shale operators, where rate counts have grown steadily in the recent months with the rising price of, of oil. Gasoline prices will also rise while all of this is going on. So, you know, there's a lot of, you know, the shale companies might like oil rising, but then again, you're going to have gasoline prices also rising. 
Today, the U.S. budget deficit totaled $136 billion in November. Um, the federal government ran this deficit in November. Uh, that was more than double the federal budget deficit of $64 billion in November of 2015. Um, they're blaming it on because of the quirk in the calendar, the you know the oh, days that yeah. fall on quirk in the on, calendar, <laughs> the quirk in the calendar. Yeah. You know days they that found, they have to pay. they've it. exhausted the unseasonably hot in the summer and unseasonably cold in the winter. So now they're going to blame the calendar for these things. Well, you know, hey. If it's there, use it. But the total receipts were down about 2% for the same uh, month a year earlier. Total federal outlays rose roughly 25% compared with November of 2015. Uh, let's see if there's any other interesting tidbits in that report. A bit again, you know. Well, again, I've talked about it a bunch of times here, a number of times on the program, but they're, they're talking that when Trump gets in, he's going to increase fiscal stimulus, which means he's going to spend more money. How is he going to spend more money when we've got these huge deficits? What is deficit spending if not fiscal stimulus? They're borrowing money and spending it someplace. I don't see that. I don't see that there's an option for more fiscal stimulus. We shall see. Uh, and I always stand to be corrected, but I just don't well, see. Obama's doubled the debt in the last eight years. That's that's fiscal. That's fiscal stimulus. What else can it be? Well, so here they. I, I listen to these stories about fiscal stimulus coming and the rest. That's sort of like really no kidding. Been doing it for eight years. But, um, so, yeah, I mean, even the, the Congressional Budget Office, um, I mean, they're estimating that these deficits would continue to grow over mm-hmm. a period of time. So, mm-hmm. um, but these, but they're, they base their projections that there are no major changes. <laughs> so, even though, so it's going up, the budgets, and, <laughs> the deficits are growing based on no major changes to current law and, uh, you know, some sort of modest economic growth. But uh, I don't think that will be the case. So I think we'll see that number grow uh, substantially. Um, there was another analysis of arms spending from Jane's defense budget. Countries are spending and spending and spending on on more defense. You have a a global total of $1.57 trillion spent. The uptick marks the turning point in defense spending. Um, Turned to a healthy rate of growth in 2016. Uh, Once again, the U.S. retained its long-held place as the world's biggest spender on defense. With an outlay of $622 billion, that's up 1%, uh, more than three times uh, second place China at $191 billion. The U.K. held its third place spot at uh, 53 pound, £53.8 pounds, billion. Pounds. Um, and, of course, a lot of this, they talk about the rising tensions in the South China Sea that is uh, that is fueling uh, China's military ambitions, but I think China long had uh, military ambitions long before the the South China Sea, um, you know, the past several years. But uh, this uh, report expects that the uh, countries are going to continue to spend. 
So it's one thing to see these countries uh, uh, spending in their military and increasing their defense budgets, but uh, again, it kind of makes you wonder uh, what are they anticipating and why all of a sudden you're seeing these big uh, rises in defense spending. spending. India climbed two places to fourth with its budget rising almost 9%. And um, so. Well, you got to wonder how much of it is designed to deal with outsiders and how much is it designed to deal with dissidents, domestic dissidents. Are they anticipating, are any of these countries anticipating some sort of a revolution within their own borders? No. Some sort of uh, social unrest will require the aid of tanks and helicopters to calm the public? Well, I think they would already have enough of their military equipment to, to solve that problem. And also, uh, sure so I it. think they would be looking at, uh, you know, outside situations. But um, here's an interesting turn of events. Carly Fiorina, remember yep, her? I sure do. Um, there's a lot of people that have been talking to uh, Mr. Trump as far as various positions, but this one kind of caught my eye today. She is reportedly under consideration to be Director of National Intelligence. She met with President-elect today, and they discussed China as probably our most important adversary. Uh, the Director of National Intelligence leads the U.S. intelligence community and is the top intelligence advisor to the president. The position and Fiorina's comments take on even more significant after Trump slammed the intelligence community following re reports about Russia's involvement in the U.S. election. So he met with her. You know, she's a former Hewitt Packard CEO. Um, she and was a former adversary in the Republican adversary. primary. Exactly. And they had they. I mean, he 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 passed out some insults uh, against Carly Fiorina during the during the primary, and uh, there was apparently a certain amount of animosity. And one of the things that's interesting about Trump, he doesn't seem he seems willing to bring his adversaries in. All right, people he's bumped heads with and the rest of that sort of thing, that doesn't dissuade him. He can bring them in and say, hey, listen, I think I got a job for you. Um, uh, that's, that's interesting to me. Is he keeping his friends close and his enemies closer? Is that what he's doing, or is he just building bridges? The man is, I think he's building bridges. I think he's reaching out. I don't care. He doesn't, he's essentially saying, I don't care if these people don't like me. I'll still bring them in. And they will like me before they're done. It's pretty interesting strategy to my from my perspective. Well, it also goes to show you what people will do to take a position. I mean, they, <laughs> you know, the, you know, you know. Um, well, they can bring these people in, and then they can get. Uh, you know, they, they can they, hire Hillary Clinton to be the chief trust advisor. Explain each of these people after you get a position of power. Here's how you set up a trust. Here's how you get the money. Get your husband to do speeches or get your spouse to do speeches while you sit there in the public office and exert influence on behalf of people who contribute to your trust, your foundation. Some people do have a tendency. They they know what coattails to write and so forth. So um, I never would expect her to be in that position to you know to be intelligence. I. I Director of oh, National yeah. Intelligence position. Um, How know, much of intelligence not... right now is computerized? 
I mean, given her background, given her background, she might be a very logical choice. She understands the technology of modern intelligence. I mean, that might be a consideration. It might not be, but I'm, I'm guessing that you know, the woman understands. She understands computers. And she, you know, she did say that she would uh, um, bring the White House um, the technology that it needed. And you know, she did want to uh, change Washington uh, with the, the technology um, to bring it more into the modern era of technology. So um, I suspect, but again, I just didn't expect I'm thinking that if they want to advance the technology in Washington, they should probably put one of those ankle monitors that can't be removed. They should fasten one to the left leg of every congressman, senator, federal judge, and uh, Supreme Court, and of course, president, vice president. Um, big, uh, big time bureaucrats. Everybody gets an ankle monitor so we can see what you're up to. I guess another one that I I don't know if this is a, uh, a new report or an old one. No, I guess it's a a new one. Cohen uh, today he's going to appoint Gary Cohen second in command at Goldman Sachs as director of the influential National Economic Council. Um, the leader of the NEC, the National Economic Council, acts as the president's quarterback on the economy, coordinating policy making between various agencies and programs to ensure it's in line with the administration's goals. The NEC chief works inside the White House and helps frame the debate on the biggest economic issues. Trump said in a statement that Cohen will design and coordinate his administration's economic policy, working closely with the Treasury and Commerce Departments. Um, the, post, the Post does not require Senate approval. Uh, Cohen is a 25-year-old, is a 25-year Goldman Sachs veteran, made at least 123 million in total compensation since becoming the bank's sole president and chief operating officer in 2009. What is the fascination with becoming a, a bureaucrat in Washington that makes a quarter of a million dollars a year or less after you've been making millions of dollars a year in big business? To make more. I understand, but it's interesting. To make more. I mean, this is this. They've I mean, got the this money. Is a serious now. reduction in income. Or at least that's what it appears to be. Maybe it's $200,000 a year plus tips. Well, probably I wouldn't mind giving up four years to work for government and reduce pay, knowing that afterwards I'd probably make eight times more. So it's, you know, four years is nothing to give up if you're thinking that you can make more. Um, I don't know. It's always interesting to me. Regulations. I mean, when we talk about regulations, it's going to be the banking regulations that come undone. uh, That's going that are going to be reversed. Um, You know, so the banks. You know, the 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 too big to fail banks. Absolutely. Um, They'll make tons. Maybe it'll trickle down. And maybe it's, uh, some, maybe it's uh, something uh, that's needed. It'll trickle down like money falling out of somebody's pocket trickles down. There's a hole in your pocket. Maybe the money will trickle down. If there's not, it isn't going to be trickling down. That whole trickle-down theory is, to me, it's nonsense. 
I mean, one of the hallmarks of wealthy people, and I'm not being critical, I'm just saying this is, this is just a reality, is they are geared to save every nickel that comes through the door that they possibly can. Now, there's people who become rock stars, and they're, they're, you know, they are irresponsible sometimes with the way they handle their enormous income. But people who are making it in business, to my mind, if you're going to be wealthy, you have to be a saver. And that means trickle down. Let's give a bunch of money to the super rich, <laughs> and it'll trickle down <laughs> to the great unwashed. No, it won't. No, it won't trickle down. If you want to do something... Give it all to the poor. They're irresponsible. They'll spend it all within, give them a million dollars apiece, and they'll have it spent within 90 days. Well, my and the money will trickle is, uh, up and wind up in the hands of the super wealthy because they just have brains enough to accumulate wealth. Poor people don't. Well, uh, it becomes a little confusing because you have... You have the big banks. We all we all know their part, and we all know what they're connected to and everything. That they use the global power structure. Uh, I mean, they they robbed, you know, the middle classes here and around the world. Why would one want to change it for the better to to hurt their ability to do that? So now. To me, it would be they only want to increase their abilities to continue. Well, what I wonder doing about what is they've this. been doing, and it just are they is is someone coming from Goldman Sachs to contribute his twenty five years of experience and expertise to running the government, or is someone coming from Goldman Sachs to get inside information from government? They already have Goldman Sachs, Goldman Sachs may not be able to access the same with the same ease. I mean, is he coming in as a spy? Is he coming in as an expert? They already have inside information. We're going to take a break. They're in there to eliminate the the regulations so they can continue to do what they've been doing. We're going to take a break here on Financial Survival Melody, and I will be right back. Please stay tuned. You've made a serious investment in protecting yourself and your family. You've purchased the gun, the ammunition, the training, and even secured a license to carry in your state. You know the Constitution and don't believe you should have to pay for a right that you already have, as written in the Second Amendment, but you are law-abiding. Now you are considering the legal defense options you should have if you ever have to use a firearm. Self-Defense Fund is a comprehensive litigation membership backing you on appeals, legal expenses, court costs, and more, up to $1 million per incident and unlimited attorney costs per member. Discover selfdefensefund.com for yourself. Any weapon, any state, any time. Prices have increased over 40%. Energy prices have increased over 20%. Wheat and gas prices have increased over 70%. What's going to be next? Do you see these trends reversing or even stabilizing? All fiat currencies have always failed and collapsed their economies on their way down. The Roman Empire, China, France, Argentina, Finland, Mexico, Russia, and Zimbabwe all tried fiat currency and all collapsed into chaos. Meanwhile, the dollar has lost over 97% of its 
gold value since 1971 when an ounce of gold was valued at $35. If your assets are in paper, you are in danger. Protect your assets with gold and silver. Visit Discount Gold and Silver Trading at DGSCoins.com. That's DGSCoins.com or call 1-800-375-4188. That's 800-375-4188. Protect yourself and your family. American Voice Radio Network is heard on Galaxy 19 at 97 degrees west, transponder 23, frequency 12115, audio PID 2595. AVR is heard on the left side audio channel, and AVR2 is heard on the right side audio channel. Remember, both AVR and AVR2 are on Galaxy 19. Same network, double the choices. Melody Cedarstrom on Financial Survival, brought to you by Discount Gold and Silver. Uh, what's next, Melody? I'd like to make an announcement tomorrow. We're going to have Greg Hunter join us for the program. Um, he will be here shortly after 4 o'clock after we do the market report. So make sure you make it a point to join us tomorrow as we have Greg Hunter from USAWatchdog.com join us for the hour. So looking forward to that. You know, we look at the stock market, we talk about 20,000 stock market for the Dow and Carl Icahn, and he was one of Donald Trump's biggest cheerleaders on, on Wall Street. And he thinks that this post-election exuberance, I mean, you talk about exuberance in the stock market, he says it has gotten a bit out of hand. And, um, but, uh, so again, here, here, here's a person who, um, you know, certainly not negative in any way on Trump, and I don't mean to be either in this particular thing, but he understands that uh, um, that this market is a little overdone. A little and, bit? Uh, just a little bit overdone. I mean, we've seen, stock, half? <laughs> we've seen a stock market climb about 1,400 points since the election day, and uh, it has closed at a record high 14 different times, and that's even including uh, of each of the past five days. Um, so we have a little less than, I think, what, 250 points from the 20,000 threshold. So, um, What's going to happen when we get there, Melody? What will I be the think, next target after that? Now, I think this is, there is too much exuberance. It's irrational. And that, that's that's the key is irrational. So, uh, but I think it'll hit twenty thousand. I don't know if it'll close above twenty thousand, and it might hit twenty thousand intraday trading. And uh, I think that day Donald Trump will come out and say, "Merry Christmas." That's the day he's going to say "Merry Christmas." <laughs> yeah, that's actually pretty good. Not happy holidays, but Merry Christmas. I'm waiting for him to say that because that was one of the things in his election on his campaign that he says we can now say Merry Christmas. Well, if we get a twenty thousand dollar, a twenty thousand point Dow Jones, a lot of people certainly, if if it happens in the next, what do we got? Two weeks before Christmas, less than that. Uh, that would be cause for. A lot of people, it would be a memorable comment by Mr. Trump. Mm -hmm. If he 
one way or another, the Trump rally, the Trump effect delivered a Dow going over 20,000 points. Mm -hmm. I don't know how long it's going to last because, like you say, it is irrational exuberance. The only thing that's happened so far is, <laughs> I mean, Donald Trump hasn't even made it past the, the Electoral College. He hasn't taken office, and he won't for another month. Um, and yet all of this, you know, hoopla, uh, it's, it's pretty interesting. And on the, it's, it's, hard, it's easy to kind of dismiss this as irrational exuberance. But all by itself, you have to wonder, has Trump restored or at least tapped into a level of optimism in this country that just by tapping into it, without reason, without good reason for it, just by tapping into it and giving it away to kind of blow off some steam, did he do something that really translates into something more than irrational exuberance? I mean, if everybody gets, you know, optimistic, is that enough to make the economy stronger? And I don't doubt to some degree the answer is yes, but... Sure, those are the knee-jerk reactions that we'll get, just like I think what you saw with Ronald Reagan during his first couple of years. There's so much optimism, and so for sure it's going to have an impact, temporarily. I understand, but reality is going to intrude sooner or later. It's like they talk about the unemployment rate is 4.6%. It's about as good as you can expect to get. But that's the official unemployment rate, and the real unemployment rate may be up closer to 20%. Mm -hmm. right? um, we can look at we, – we see – reports that we know to be falsified, just as we know the markets. This isn't even a debate. It's been conceded by the banks. Deutsche Bank is blowing the whistle on the other banks who are involved in manipulating and rigging the silver markets. Right? This isn't fantasy. This isn't some crazy conspiracy theory. No, this has been going on. This has been happening. And it wasn't a minor situation. It's a major situation. Well, it's the same thing with what is the real employment unemployment rate? What is the real inflation rate? The manipulating those numbers is the same thing fundamentally as manipulating the numbers in the markets, in the allegedly free markets. And you have to wonder how long you can, can the manipulation can continue before you finally cause such enormous distortions and lies, outward lies. Where you come out and say, hey, we only have 4.6% of the population is unemployed. Sooner or later, that's got to blow up in somebody's face. Now, who knows? The timing is unknown to us, but just the same. Reality is going to intrude, and when it does, unpleasant things are going to happen. We can all get into this happy days mentality, and maybe it's, and maybe it does us good to get into that happy days mentality. But I don't see how it can be indefinitely sustained. Sooner or later, we have to take off the party hat, set down the horns, and confront reality, and deal with what is the real unemployment rate, what is the real inflation rate. Uh, and when we do, what do we do then? 
We can't remain, we can't retain our irrational exuberance. We are going to be forced by objective reality to deal with situations on a rational basis. And then what? It won't be happy days are here again. It'll be challenging days are here. And that's not necessarily a bad thing, but uh, it doesn't necessarily mean that we're headed into something horrific, but we're going to have to deal with this. And blah, blah, blah. Well, a couple of things. Tomorrow, the FOMC, their meeting starts. Wednesday, they will make the announcement, uh, most likely for the rate hike. Uh, it'll be the second rate hike um, in this cycle. Uh, the last one, of course, the first one was a year ago. Mm-hmm. So uh, gold performed very well. And in our weekly newsletter, I was able to get the um, um, the numbers in that I went over last week as far as the uh, uh, three um, historical rate cycles, uh, the Feds, and how gold performed after the second rate hike, and uh, gold did very well. So you can find those numbers in our newsletter this week if you want to get to uh, a copy of that email to you. Go to dgscoins.com and just sign up for the weekly newsletter. And if the newsletter went out prior to you signing up, uh, just send me an email and we can get one sent to you. We also have Thursday, the Bank of England. They have a rate decision. I guess Trump is going to make his big announcement as far as what he is going to, um, uh, how he plans to distance himself from um, his businesses. And um, so that'll be interesting, other than just saying, well, my children are going to control those businesses. Don't know if he's going to do any more than that. But I hadn't realized he owns, supposedly from this article, I didn't have a chance to confirm these numbers, but um, it says that he owns or is involved with more than 500 companies, around 150 of them, which have business ties in at least 25 foreign countries. Um, 500 country, companies seem like quite a, quite a few. <laughs> so, uh, It may be nothing more than just owning stock. I'm sure he's got people who handle his money and they invest it here, there, and wherever. Well, I know wherever. he's got a lot in the hedge funds. I know he made a comment that he sold a lot of his stocks because he thought the stock market was in a bubble, but uh, no one's really sure if he sold Little his Little did he know what a positive funds. effect he was going to have, huh? Yeah, but held he has, under your let money let another finish, at least. Let me finish. But he has supposedly a lot in hedge funds. So that we're not sure whether that was sold or not. Most likely it wasn't, so, um, but his little stocks here and there on a personal basis, I think, were sold, but uh, no one can really confirm about the hedge funds, which is where most of his money uh, in the investment in the markets are, so. One of the things about Trump is that he is a businessman, which is obvious to everyone, but you already see evidence of that in he's allegedly shutting down the production of a new Air Force One coming from Boeing. He says, you guys are costing too much money. Can't afford it. Oh, he can't it. shut it down yet. He well, he's trying. He's working at it. He's, he's in contract. Oh, I don't think he will shut it down. No. I don't think he will. But he is going to push some arms. And you're going to have to bring in that airplane for X number of dollars less than you guys had in mind out there at Boeing. He's doing something similar, talking about doing something similar with the F-35 fighter. 
this thing's overpriced, right? And this is the sort of thing that, as a businessman, he's going to be able to deal with these corporations <laughs> because he knows how the game is played. The Congress doesn't know. The Senate doesn't really know. They don't come in really as big-time businessmen. They they deal with Boeing, for example, or whoever, and they pretty much have to kind of go along with whatever they're, whatever they're fed. Trump isn't going to have to do that. And I think one of the things that you're going to see is Trump is going to be cutting costs. One of the things he is going to have to do, and one of the things he's equipped to do, is cut costs for major corporations that are selling goods, services, whatever, to the government. He's going to get in there and, hey, <laughs> hand me your arm. I want to twist it a little bit. And let's see if we can get the prices down here. It'll be interesting to see how that works out. Um, but you know what's interesting, though, which I, it does kind of bother me a little bit, when you go back to Cario and by United Technologies, that's a Dow stock. When you talk about Boeing, that's a Dow stock. So a lot of what he is focusing on, a lot of these companies are in the Dow Jones. And we just had um, Bob um, in Iowa sent me an email from um, – this report was the Edelson wave. I'm not, but when I pick in, what I'm picking up here, he's talking about um, the rise in the stock market. Just five stocks have accounted for over 60% of the move. Yeah. About two-thirds of the rally in the Dow can be attributed to five companies. Guess what those companies are? Goldman Sachs, United Health, J.P. Morgan, Caterpillar, Boeing. But the one company that gets the most is 30% of the recent gains, Goldman Sachs. Mm-hmm. So, uh, you know, so, and you we don't know. And the thing of it is, gain? he didn't release his tax forms. We really don't know what companies that he's invested in. With his hedge funds, we don't know which companies. So we don't know. And, and, you know, that is a little troublesome. So a lot of people say, well, you know what? He's a businessman. We're going to overlook it. Let's build that wall. Let's, you know, bring some jobs back, you know, and, you know, if he wants to. Yeah. And it makes me, I don't know what is right. I mean, know what is right, but it just doesn't seem, you know, that it's. Well, Goldman Sachs and bankers in general, big bankers in general, Arouse so much suspicion in ordinary people. Well, why do you, you can't think they do that? Is because Goldman they earn it. They well, I get that. that. I'm not saying it's irrational. I'm not saying it's irrational. I'm saying what is surprising is here comes Trump. And he says, well, I'm going to bring one of the guys in from Goldman Sachs to handle these situations. And maybe that's, you know, you Run can't help but be ones. suspicious or even, I don't know, concerned. Right? Is Trump already on the on the way of selling out, or is he bring bringing people in that he knows personally, that he knows he can work with, that he's going to say, "Here's what I want. I want you to deliver it." And I don't care if you work for Goldman Sachs or McDonald's or the ice cream stand across the street. I think you can do this, and I want this done, and I want you to execute on my behalf. Can you do this? And if the guy from Goldman Sachs says, "Yeah, buddy." I can do it. All right? He doesn't disagree. Well, who knows? Maybe it's a good thing, but it certainly has to make you worry. It, it has to make you wary and wonder what's really happening here. And I hate to even say that. Trump's not even sitting in office. And, I know. You know, you're already 
I was scared to death he wasn't going to get elected. And now that he's been elected, now I'm scared to death. Now, given some of the appointments he's making, I'm still concerned. You know, and wonder, oh, my God, is there any rest? Do we get any rest? You know, it's like one administration after another without finding one of them that's actually doing what's right for this country. Hopefully, Trump is going to do what's right for the country rather than some special interests. But if you can judge by the people he's appointing to to major offices, uh, uh, head your, your major bureaucracies, uh, you got to get to you wind up talking to yourself, and uh, we'll see. We're going to find out. We'll know in six months. We should have a pretty good idea in six months what's really going on in the Trump administration. We'll see. But right this moment, once again, we have to trust. And, and I, and, well, no, we don't. We don't trust. We, I wouldn't trust at this point in time. Uh, I, I trust the fundamentals, and I trust reality, and I trust history, and I trust previous behaviors of the multinational corporations. I trust the history or I view the history as um, something that we can expect in the future. I'm hoping that we'll, it, this will be different this time, but I'm certainly not going to trust that it will be. Um, and uh, we do have to still be vigilant. We still have to remember about the the reality and, and, and the fundamentals. And... I think we will have a volatile volatile year next year. And I'm still hoping more for a Supreme Court justice that is still probably, as far as I was concerned, one of the most important um, items that Trump would accomplish in his term because that will, that means many years in the future as far as the direction of this country. I'm dreaming of a Supreme Court justice. We're going to take a break on financial survival for a couple of minutes. Melody and I will be right back. Please stay tuned. condition and emergency rooms and medical doctors are not an option, you need our emergency heart attack kit. Five concentrated liquid formulas enter the system in 60 seconds to protect your heart muscle, strengthen heartbeat, increase circulation, relieve pain, and make breathing easier. When seconds count, you want all the help you can get with our emergency heart attack kit. Easy to use and portable in a one-pound compact kit for your purse, briefcase, or car. Call Apothecary Herbs now for your emergency heart attack kit, toll-free, 866-229-3663. That's 866-229-3663. International callers dial 704-875-8010 or order online at the 3 wsthepowerherbscom 
since the beginning of the United States, kings have sought it, nations have fought for it. It has been traded, borrowed, purchased, and stolen. There is a reason for it. To secure the blessings of liberty to ourselves and our posterity, invest with the security of gold and silver. Call Discount Gold and Silver Trading at 1-800-375-4188. That's 1-800-375-4188. Listen to Financial Survival with your host, Melody Cedarstrom, on American Voice Radio Network and Shortwave Radio. Visit DiscountGoldAndSilverTrading.net or call 1-800-375-4188. That's 1-800-375-4188. For the very best in gold and silver trading, call toll-free 1-800-375-4188. That's 1-800-375-4188. Call now. Financial survival. What's next, Melody? I just want to let the listeners know we're not bashing Trump in any manner. But I think these things need to be discussed. They need to be viewed. They need to be, you know, you need to be aware of ways of different ways of looking at things. Um, And, uh, again, we're not bashing Mr. Trump. Yes. But you have to, at one level, you have to be ready to do so. You can't just give any of these politicians your blind faith, right? And that's how we get into trouble. That's what happens with Hitler, right? I don't know how many people, and we could Stalin, and I don't know how many other people we could point to, but somehow managed to acquire the blind faith of millions of people. You have to take all of these politicians, I don't care if it's your dad or your son or your mother or your daughter or your husband or your wife, you've got to treat all of them with a certain amount of wariness. They're in positions to exercise great power. They're in positions to make dramatic changes in your life and the lives of your children and your grandchildren. Um, you've got to sit back and pay attention. Donald Trump got elected. This does not mean it's time to go back to watching Dancing with the Stars, and we don't have to pay any attention to what's happening in in politics for the next four years. We still have to watch him. Same way we should have been watching Obama, same way we should have been watching uh, G.W. Bush, Clinton. I mean, the trouble we have is that we are perhaps too inclined, too willing to trust particular politicians. They get into a position of power and we say, okay, they got it. We can all relax now. And generally speaking, that's a bad idea. And you know, everything we see in the economy, everything we see in the nation supports that observation. If you're going to trust these people and let them go wherever they want to go, chances are you're not going to like where you wind up. So we'll have to keep an eye on Mr. Trump, not because we dislike him, but because... It's our job as Americans. You got to do it. Got to keep an eye on your congressman. Keep an eye on your senator. Um, this is where these ankle monitors I was talking about. I'm going to keep an eye on you. Come, uh, keep an eye on me too, Melody. <clears throat> you don't need an ankle monitor for me because I don't go anywhere anyway. Uh, <laughs> yeah. I'll put mine on Ruby. All you need to do is put a monitor on my computer. Wherever the computer is, I won't be far away. 
right. What's next, Melody? Here, uh, I got one. Okay. I got one. Uh, this is from talking about from Yahoo Finance, and it's the headline is Fed finale. What do you need to know in the markets this week? Talking about the Fed will or will not increase interest rates by a quarter of a percent this Wednesday. Every virtually everyone agrees that that's what's going to happen. Well, of course. I mean, they can't not. <laughs> it seems it seems impossible that they cannot raise interest rates again. It seems impossible, but you never know. You know, it's one of these things you never know. They didn't. The market would crash. Well, here's an economist, Michael Ferroli from J.P. Morgan Chase. He says, we think the main takeaway to come out of this week's meeting will be a sense that the committee believes it's too soon to say how the outlook has changed. What do they mean by that? How soon, too soon to say how the outlook has changed. They're talking about the Trump rally. They're talking about the Trump effect. goes on and he says, indeed, most Fed speakers, Federal Reserve speakers, since the election have indicated they are not going to guess how fiscal policy, that's business that's taxing and spending by the government, not monetary policy, monetary policy, interest rates, and money supply is the business of the Federal Reserve. Fiscal policy is the business of government. They will not, they're not going to uh, guess how fiscal policy or other aspects of federal economic policy will change, and they mean will change once Trump takes office. They continue. But that instead they will meet they meaning Federal Reserve officials will only revise their forecasts once there is some true clarity on these aspects of the outlook. Now you gotta look through these words. I don't remember. Let me just take a fast look at this. That was a seventy eight word sentence, which means it's pretty much incomprehensible. But nevertheless, when people start using 78-word sentences and in court, in law, sometimes Supreme Court justices will prank out sentences. I know this. There are 150 words or more. You isn't one man in 10,000 who can read that sentence and understand what it means. All right? You can parse it. You can work in it. I mean, it's an all-day job to figure out what they're talking about. It's the same thing. 78-word sentences is kind of concealing, but it's saying the, the the Federal Open Market Committee believes it's too soon to say how the outlook has changed. If the Federal Open Market Committee is waiting on true clarity before they make any decisions, that implies that they see nothing to support the Trump rally besides irrational exuberance. They're still waiting. They're saying, we're not buying into this. Okay, you go ahead and, you know, toot on your party horns and put on a funny hat and the rest of that sort of thing. Have fun if you want to, but we are not buying into this until we get true clarity. And the implication is they won't get true clarity until sometime after Donald Trump has taken office and we can see what's really going on. And I don't think it's going to be a mystery because Trump is not a subtle guy. He doesn't come in and try to pull stunts and try to st – I, I don't believe he comes in and tries to become be so subtle that he can trick you into thinking things that aren't true. Trump comes in like a – you know, it's like, it's like a wrecking ball and bam, here's what we're doing. And you're going to know what he's up to probably in pretty short order after he takes office.
I bet the first four or five months is going to reveal Trump's real personality and his real political ambitions and goals and the rest of it. We'll see it clearly because he's not, I don't, he doesn't impress me at least as the kind of man who is deceptive. Coming in like a wrecking ball. Here we go. Here's what we want. Here's what, here's the buildings we're taking down and here's the ones we want to build. I don't think it's going to be something he can keep from the public because it's not his nature to do so. So we'll see that clarity that uh, J.P. Morgan economist is looking for, waiting on that true clarity. But it means we don't have true clarity now. We have what may be irrational exuberance, but we don't yet have true clarity. So the point is, you've got to take a certain amount of this with salt. You know, just because you see it and everybody's having a party time, the Dow's going up to 20,000 and the rest of that sort of thing, doesn't necessarily mean that we're what we see today is the same thing we're going to see 30 days from now or 60 days from now or 90 days from now. Odds are we're going to, of course, we're going to die. There was, there's always changes, but maybe dramatic change. So we'll watch and see. And apparently the people at the Federal Open Market Committee, they will also watch and see what is Trump really all about. Okay. Yeah. We should. I think we should, Baldy. You think we should? Well, I think we're going to see. Whether, I think you're going to find out whether you want to or not. I, you know, if I had to guess, <laughs> there's a lot of people after after Barack Obama has been in office for nearly eight years. There's a lot of people who still don't know what he's up to. What was that guy doing the whole time he was there in the White House? Does anybody know? Do you really know and say, well, I understand what the Obama administration was. Well, maybe I, maybe some people do, but I think most people, Barack is still a mystery of kind of a sort. What was he doing? That won't be the problem with, I don't believe that'll be the problem with Trump. You'll know. Trump is going to tell you what he's going to do, and then he's going to bet that he can get it done. He don't care whether you like it, don't like it. Here's what I'm going to do. I think he'll tell us. So, we'll find out. And... Uh, you, you just another couple months. Actually, what I find interesting is, is how quiet you have Washington leaders. I mean, sure, you have some. You know, McConnell was actually talking about something that he was in disagreement with Trump, and he was going to have an investigation on. I don't know. I don't know if it was on the hacking, the Russia hacking, and so forth. And I'm thinking, why is he making all this noise when his wife is working? You know, was uh, chosen for a position and so forth. But other than that, you have a lot. Congress is quiet. Those Republicans, um, I think Rubio came out and finally said something on, uh, again, I'm not sure if it was on the, the Russian hacking on the, uh, you know, for the, uh, during the, the the election or not, but uh, they, they've been very quiet. You haven't... Uh, well, it's like the election. You know, Who ran for office? Who ran for office in last November? Besides Donald Trump. And what's interesting is you don't have any of the, the news programs, really, mainstream media, really giving them the the mic, giving them the time. Um, I read something recently, Rand Paul was concerned about something, but, I mean, that's it. Um, they've been very quiet. 
Very quiet. And I get that it's the holidays and they're trying to close up so they can go on their two, three week, you know, Christmas vacay. But uh, still, normally they're a little more vocal. And I'm not so sure they really know what to expect. I don't think they do. And I think they are also waiting for some true clarity uh, concerning the Trump administration. Exactly. What's he going to do? And is it wise to open your mouth or should you shut up and sit in a corner? All right. I mean, Trump has got to intimidate a certain amount of people just because I don't think he's going to I don't think he's going to be us around. He's just if he doesn't like you, I think he'll hammer you into the ground. Um. So, you know, the only thing, and I don't know that that's true, but I think it's the impression he kind of communicates to some of these politicians are, you got to wait and see attitude. Like I said, who ran for office last November other than Donald Trump? The only problem I have with Mr. Trump is what he says to the people is one thing, but then what he does in Washington is a little bit different. Well, and, um, you know, it, 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 it bothers me. Well, that's always true to some extent. I mean, no matter what you say. If you say things and people particularly like what you're saying, and they yeah, 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 did you hear what he said? Yes, 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 he's good. That's what I've been saying all the time. Well, maybe that's not quite what he meant. All right, he may have said words that we interpret in certain ways where we say hooray or we say boo. But it might not be, you know, it's easy to misinterpret and misunderstand. And he, you think this guy is promising to do everything he ever wanted, and maybe he's only trying to do a few good things. Well, that'll maybe be disappointing. Or maybe he's saying, I'm only trying to do a few good things, and maybe he's really out to do some bad things. There's a lot of interpretation that goes on, and then people have expectations and based on these interpretations, and maybe the interpretations were reasonable, and maybe they weren't. Maybe this isn't what he meant. So I'm just saying... These misunderstandings, at least in a small sense, are understandable. They can be anticipated. You know? But the big things, is he going to build that wall? Is he going to stop illegal aliens from coming into this country? Is he going to get the illegal aliens who are here? Is he going to get them out? Any of them? Are we going to see that? Is he going to live up to his promises that he that got him elected? And there's, I don't know, you got the wall and he's going to do America first. There's another one. I, I think he will on the immigration. I do. I, I think he will. He I will think do he that. Has to. I think he will do that. I think he has to. Uh, America first. I think he can do that. Mm -hmm. it's, I think that's something. It is his nature. To do Trump first, and I mean the Trump family first, and the Trump enterprise, and the Trump tower, and whatever. I think it's his nature to take care of his stuff first. And I think it's his nature that he'll do that, too. There are going to be other things, though, where we're going to wonder. And we may have, you know, we'll sit back and we'll see. So we, have, we should have a, a much better idea. It could be as little as two months. Another month he gets into office, and the first month... I'm going to bet he does not waste his time playing golf. No. He's going to hit the ground running like a tank that has been dropped out of an aircraft. He's going to come down and bam, take off. He's not going to dawdle around. So we'll get a, we'll have a 60 days from now. We should have 
a pretty good idea of what Trump is really up to. We'll find out what the reality of the man is. It really is exciting. Yeah, I know. It's it really exciting. is exciting. It's exhausting at times. Exhausting is exciting, and I'm positive about gold because, you know, all the things that he wants to do, it's all pro-gold. It's all pro-gold. And um, with the right, with the rates rising, and, and uh, uh, because there's still issues that uh, will be a little more hard, will be a little more difficult to address and to fix. Um, but the overall, the several important things, it'll be it'll be exciting to see some changes done. It's going to be exciting, and it's going mm-hmm. to be perhaps unpredictable. Yeah. And, Where uh, is the certainty right now? Anybody got any certainty? Mm-hmm. Um, if you don't. What goes well with uncertainty, political and economic uncertainty? What goes well? G-O-L-D. That's gold. That's, that's Physical, what it's been for the past couple thousand years. and silver. Absolutely. Yeah. That's why gold and silver are going to be at an incredible price next year. It's going gonna, it's, it's gonna to be real exciting to see the prices also rise up on those two, on, two those, on those metals. All right, Melody, we are out of time. I want to thank everybody for listening. We will be back tomorrow with Greg Hunter. In the meantime, with good Lord bless you, me, Melody, and Todd, the producer. Bye-bye. I work all night. I work all day to pay the bills I have to pay. Pain is bad. Still, there never seems to be a single penny left for me. condition and emergency rooms and medical doctors are not an option, you need our emergency heart attack kit. Five concentrated liquid formulas enter the system in 60 seconds to protect your heart muscle, strengthen heartbeat, increase circulation, relieve pain, and make breathing easier. When seconds count, you want all the help you can get with our emergency heart attack kit. Easy to use and portable in a one-pound compact kit for your purse, briefcase, or car. Call Apothecary Herbs now for your emergency heart attack kit, toll-free, 866-229-3663. That's 866-229-3663. International callers dial 704-875-8010 or order online at the 3 wsthepowerherbscom strength. Indeed, the chemical compounds of thyme contain antioxidants, an effective germicide that kills whooping cough bacteria and makes breathing easier. Just imagine what you can do with thyme herb when it comes to respiratory ailments like croup, pneumonia, asthma, and sinusitis. The extra benefit of thyme herb is that it soothes nerves and stops spasmodic coughing, so you can get some rest. Who says you don't have time to take care of yourself? Call Apothecary Herbs toll-free for thyme tincture and tea to soothe your cough and get some rest. 866-229-3663. That's 866-229-3663. International 704-875-8010 or online at thepowerherbs.com. Pandemics will be a part of our future. The question is, how do we protect ourselves? 
Are you willing to put your trust in an untested vaccine, hoping it kills mutating viruses? Remember, in 1976, health officials tried to inoculate Americans with swine flu, and there was a 300% death rate for those inoculated, and millions were paid out in damages. God gave you a sophisticated immune system, and in times of need, you can make it 10 times stronger. So there's no need to panic. Just get prepared. Call Apothecary Herbs to order your upgraded pandemic kit. You will have eight professional-strength formulas offering broad-spectrum immune-boosting protection. Take a stand. Have a plan. Have peace and request your pandemic kit today. Call Apothecary Herbs toll-free, 866-229-3663, or online, thepowerherbs.com. That's 866-229-3663, or thepowerherbs.com. Wendy Wilson, hope you had a great day. We're here to empower you. That's what we like to do here on Herb Talk Live. Thanks for joining us on the American Voice Radio Network. Magical engineer Frank and I have a great show. And we're going to be talking about uh, the is your health going to be better preserved with more regulations in the health industry? Well, we're going to check it out. Uh, also, we're going to be talking about um, the subsidizing of health care. And if we have time, we might touch on some immune system foes uh, so we can power you up for the holidays so you don't get sick. Uh, and we have a quack report. But before we get through all that great stuff, big salute and semper fi to our righteous men and women in uniform. Always lift them up in prayer, all of this nation. I pray for every day. Hope you join me, hit the knees, seeking the Lord's face. I did bring my devotional. And today it's from Matthew 10, Hebrews 11, and 2 Corinthians 4. And it goes like this. I am with you in all that you do, even in the most menial tasks. I am always aware of you concerned with every detail of your life. Nothing escapes my notice, not even the number of hairs on your head. However, your awareness of my presence falters and flickers. As a result of your life experience, you may feel fragmented. So when your focus is broad enough to include me in your thoughts, you feel safe and complete. And when your perception narrows so the problems and details fill your consciousness, you feel empty and incomplete. Learn to look steadily at me in all your moments and all your circumstances. Through the world is unstable. You can experience continually through your uninterrupted awareness of my presence. Fix your gaze on what is unseen, even as the visible world parades before your eyes. That's right. Yeah, that's what faith is, believing in the things not yet seen. And that's where strength comes from, faith. That's why people that are sick heal faster because 
they have faith. If they have faith, that's for us. Scientific medicine can't explain it, but this is true. So uh, mind the time. Find your path with the Lord Jesus Christ. Find salvation there. And, um, you know, quick. And that wrap. Well, let's go to the quack report. Yeah, Frank. Okay, first up in the quacker, let's see, life expectancy in the U.S. is dropping. Uh, first time in decades. Uh, this is a, a report. Uh, by the federal government that was put out Thursday uh, last week, and they said that overall the the death rate has increased for the first time in over 10 years, according to their data. Uh, so they said it's a big deal, according to Philip Morgan. He's the uh, demographer at the University of North Carolina, Chapel Hill. He was involved in the analysis. He says there's uh, a bigger indicator of well-being. There isn't anyone bigger than life expectancy, he says. And the fact is it's leveling off in the U.S. and is um, a striking finding, they said. So most notably, the overall death rate for Americans increased because mortality, they said, from heart disease and stroke went up, um, and deaths were also up from Alzheimer's disease, respiratory disease, kidney disease, and diabetes. More Americans die from unintentional injuries and also suicide, uh, so that's what's driving up the death rates um, from the eighth to the tenth leading cause of death in the U.S., so... Um, Interesting. So, you know, I guess the population numbers aren't going up then, if that's the case. All right. Last but not least in the quack report, um, interesting findings in Japan. Uh, they have one of the oldest um, civilizations. You know, their, 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 their citizenry is uh, getting older, the baby boomers there. Japanese city has introduced a, a good way to keep track of their senior citizens that have dementia and are prone to getting lost, what they're doing is they're um, tagging their fingers with scannable barcodes. So a company called Umura, uh, north of Tokyo, has developed these little nail stickers, um, and it carries the identity number, all the information the family needs on a missing loved one, according to their social welfare office. So if an elderly person becomes disoriented, police, if they find them, their telephone number, their ID, all this information is embedded in this barcode. Uh, now, the chips remain attached uh, for an average of two weeks, and they're water-resistant, uh, and they're, um, Japan's really having a hard time, you know, keeping up with uh, what they got to do for their aging population. Uh, so 40% of their population uh, is going to be elderly by the year 2060. So uh, they started... Uh, actually offering noodle discounts at local restaurants to have elderly citizens agree to turn in their driving licenses because 4.8 million of them are driving and, you know, getting into accidents and stuff. So uh, barcodes for the elderly. Isn't that interesting? What's next? And that wraps the quack report. <laughs> talk about is your health preserved with more regulations by more regulations do you think your health's going to be better off was a question uh, you know in the last decade 
the industries which have, you know, endured more government regulations is the area of health care. Now, I'm not just talking about the Affordable Care Act in which, you know, the government is forcing people to purchase health insurance at three times the rate and then calling it a tax. I'm also talking about regulations that affect nutritional and medicinal sources that have a direct effect on health. So governments love to regulate. They'd love to do that. And it allows them to modify the standards, to enforce rules, um, for, you know, for more control and even to possibly exploit people either directly or indirectly. So government power can be persuaded to sell its favor to a particular entity, resulting in changing the business landscape. So such changes could people put people out of work, could make businesses close their doors. So we're going to take a look at some things that are brewing brewing right here in the U.S., which could have tremendous impact on your health freedoms. All right, so apparently we have a one world, and, uh, and uh, it's getting thicker. And uh, most people are aware of the Codex Alimentarius, which originated in the European Union. Now, if you're not sure what that is, let me refresh your memory. The Codex is a code for global standardization regulations that affect all your food, your water, and your medicine. And it's sometimes referred to as the Food Harmonization Code. So the Codex also assumes to regulate the dietary supplements in this area, and they have severely dominated that market in the European Union by removing about 22,000 herbs from the market. So in the European Union, they have rewritten the regulations governing herbs, taking them from food category to drug category. So this reclassification has reduced the number of herbal products available over-the-counter under this European directive. So under the EU's natural therapy regulations, they've crafted this very narrow requirement to make it nearly impossible to offer any combination of herbs together in one product. So their new laws are anti-complex formulations. And the other problem is that the scientific-based documentation on the herbs are required to qualify for a license, which makes it cost-prohibitive to manufacture and sell them, unless, of course, you come from a pharmaceutical company. So out of the thousands of herb products on the European market in the year 2000, now there's just a mere 200 approved for sale. There are fewer than 50 medicinal plants that have been approved. So uh, medicinal plants are provided to us by God, and regulation such as this is immoral and pretty tragic. It is tragic. So many in Europe feel that the government has constructed a complex obstacle course of regulations which cannot be successfully navigated except for a few large companies with really deep pockets. Okay, here's a quote from nzherald.com over there in the UK. It says, herbal practitioners say it's impossible for most herbal medicines to meet the licensing requirements for safety and quality, uh, which are similar to those for the pharmaceutical drugs because of the cost of testing. And uh, let's see, this is um, Michael McIntyre. He's chairman of the European Herbal and Traditional Medicine Practitioners Association, he says the problem is you can't get a license for many herbal medicines because they can't patent them. The implications are serious. And, of course, uh, Dr. Rob Verkick, 
Vertik of the Alliance for Natural Health. He says thousands of people across Europe rely on herbal medicines to improve their quality of life. They don't take them because they're sick. They take them to keep healthy. Yeah. Uh, well, let's see what's going on now on U.S. soil. Okay, just so you know, uh, for years there's been proponents that have been trying to take the herbs from the food to the drug category and adapt the European Union regulations on supplements. Now, the FDA has made several attempts to modify the government's Dietary Supplement Health and Education Act of 1994, and the media has been used to try to convince the public that supplements are dangerous, not regulated, and the safety of the public is at risk. Well, let me read you this quote by Daniel Fabricant. He's now the CEO of the National Product Association, but he's a former employee of the FDA, their dietary supplement division. He says this, dietary supplements do not claim to cure or midgetate disease and are, in fact, regulated just like other drugs. Supplements require good manufacturing practices, or GMPs, and compliance with the FDA's adverse event reporting system and record-keeping requirements, among other things. So people are fed up with the type of care that they get from primary physicians that is covered by insurance, and across the board, people are looking for ways to stay healthy on their own, end of quote. He speaks truth right there. So the FDA has been modifying some of the good manufacturing guidelines or the GMPs of the supplement market, and some feel that they are inching towards regulations similar to the European Union. Um, well, let's add another agency. I mean, we got the FDA. What else are we going to have here? Well, the public has been kept up to speed on what the FDA is trying to do with the supplement market. And savvy consumers know that supplements are not dangerous like prescription drugs and that more regulations would make supplements more expensive and harder to obtain. So in December of this year, 2016, the U.S. Federal Trade Commission, the FTC, has targeted the homeopathic remedies attempting to mislead consumers. They state that in the natural remedies market, the homeopathic products claim to be effective without scientific proof, and they are attempting to enforce that the homeopathic products should include the following statement on their products, and this is what they want them to put on there. There is no scientific evidence that this product works. Hmm. So how long have homeopathic products been on the U.S. market? Well, apparently long enough to become a $523 million business, about 5 million U.S. adults and 1 million U.S. children use homeopathic products annually. And according to website, the website Business Insider, the FDA intends to require homeopathic remedies to be held to the same standards as pharmaceutical products and provide clinical research to their effectiveness. Well, if that doesn't sound like what's going on over across the pond in the EU, then I don't know what does. Now, I want you to keep in mind that there have been many drugs that have not been effective in clinical trials, pharmaceutical products. The results were covered up, and they were approved for use by the FDA anyway, which the FDA does not test anything. They don't test any drugs. Uh, so the scientific evidence in such cases, well, that was pure fiction, right, that the drug worked. Let me read you this quote by Dana Ullman. She is a uh, homeopathic practitioner. 
She says this, considering the long-time safety history of homeopathic medicines, it is surprising and even shocking that the FTC would consider proposing new regulations now. One cannot help but wonder who or what is pulling their strings. It is most likely powerful economic forces at play, protecting big pharma from their competition more than protecting the consumer, end of quote. I think her suspicions are spot on. Well, let's talk about the homeopathic remedies. Are they the same as the herbal remedies? Well, many people think homeopathic remedies are the same as herbal medicines. There is an important distinction. First, herbal medicine has been around for thousands of years, and homeopathic remedies were created in the 18th century by a German physician, Samuel Hannerman. He decided he was going to take some herbs, distill them many times over to remove nearly all of the medicinal properties of the ingredients. So the American Institute of Homeopathic uh, or Homeopathy describes the product process this way. Homeopathic medicines are prepared through a series of dissolutions, distillations, at each step uh, which there is a vigorous agitation of the solution called succession, and until there is no detectable chemical substrate left, end of quote. All right, so secondly, homeopathic remedies can contain animal ingredients and is very popular with countries such as Germany, Mexico, the UK, India, and France. So when asked why people use homeopathic remedies, the feedback is people are trying to use less toxic alternatives and avoid the antibiotics. Now, according to a group that is training farmers, they're called the homeopathy at Willie level. They're, the farmers there are turning to the homeopathic remedies in an attempt to get their animals off drugs. Too many antibiotics. All right, so healthcare professionals in France, get what, guess what they do? They recommend homeopathic products 44 to 95% of the time. And in the U.K., homeopathic remedies became so popular, the Ministry of Health wants to ban them. So what is really frustrating to natural health, the natural health community is that government agencies will try to make a case that the natural remedy is a placebo and of little or no effect, and that the product statements of, of benefit are false and misleading. And then in the next breath, they claim the products are dangerous. So the definition in Webster's Dictionary of placebo is a harmless, unmedicated preparation given to uh, as a medicine as to humor a patient. And then if you want the medical definition of a placebo, it is. It is usually a pharmacological inert preparation prescribed more for the mental relief of the patient than for the actual effect of the disorder, or it's an inert substance used to control experiments testing the efficiency of another substance, also known as a drug. So it's harmless. So you can't have it both ways, FTC. You can't call a, uh, the, the product a placebo and then say it's dangerous. Can't do that. Mm -mm. All right, uh, so... And I have to remind people, um, 
modern medicine um, researchers at the John Hopkins University this year, 2016, reported that allopathic medicine, that's your modern medicine, its procedures, its surgeries, its drugs, its healthcare prof- professional errors are the third leading cause of death in America. And it's all regulated by the FTC and, and um, you know, FDA. Third cause of death is regulated by these agencies. What does that tell you? Okay, so you would think that allopathic medicine would fall under the power of the FDA and the FTC, and they do, but as a means of protection. So this brings us back to the tighter regulations that the government seeks to put on your homeopathic remedies and probably all dietary supplements. You know, you give a mouse a cracker, he wants a glass of milk, right? So the more people that are seeking the natural and the safer options for better health, the more pressure these drug companies put on these government agencies to eliminate their competition. That's what's going on. So there are no death certificates listing cause of death by homeopathic remedy or herbal remedy of or by itself. Think about that a minute. So the liability is so low that there is no malpractice insurance needed or available for the natural doctor practitioner. So it's really up to each of us individually to be proactive and protect our right of access to our medicinal herbs. So don't let government, the government convince you that business owners don't know how to run a responsible and free business, you know, un, un, without all these regulations. People, people do. You know, it is very clear to me that more regulations on natural medicines, herbs, and homeopathic stuff, is it's not going to keep consumers safer, but it will promote a decline in health because you're going to find you can't afford them or you can't get them. And you're trying to use these products to stay healthy. So if you ask most natural health practitioners or the manufacturers of supplements why they do what they do, you will often hear that they are passionate about their work. And passionate people excel at producing quality products and service. Their reputation's on the line, and they strive for excellence. So consumers benefit from that. You also will not get refunds from the allopathic medicine community when they mess up. You don't get refunds no way, shape, or form. does not exist. Try to get your money back on a prescription that didn't help you. Or, you know, the doctor gave you a prescription and it didn't help you and you go back and you don't want to pay him to come back because he messed up the first time. Or how about the surgeon that leaves instruments inside? You do not get a refund. You can just forget it, right? No refunds for you. Um, So, you know, think about that. And God has instructed us to use the medicinal herbs because he said he made them for the service of man and for the healing of the nation's that's in Psalms 104.14 and Revelation 22.2. You should not need a license for what God ordains as good. Think about that. And the same thing applies to getting a marriage license. That, that God gave that um, responsibility to the church, not the state. You shouldn't have to have a, a license to travel or to fish or to hunt to feed your family, or to protect yourself. Think about these things. If you read your Bible, all this stuff comes to mind, right? 
All right, so you should you should not have to have the license in. And if you feel like you want to be empowered, everybody wants to be empowered. And you want to empower yourself. You want to learn more about the health benefits of herbs to cleanse organs or to boost immune system function. Well, then call the experts. Call the folks at Apothecary Herbs. Uh, they can send you a free product catalog, or you can call to order their products. The number is toll-free at 866-229-3663. That's 866-229-3663. International number is 704-885-0277. That's 704-885-0277. That's where your healthcare options just became endless. Their new catalog is in, so do take advantage of that. And the catalog download is up on the website. So if you go to a product catalog and you put that in your shopping cart and check out, it's free. You will get a confirmation with the download link if you want to if you want to download it. So it's there at thepowerups.com. And if you do have email, sign up for the free online newsletters. A lot of people are just, you know, raving about the uh, information in the newsletters. And there's a couple up there. No subscription fee. So throw those in the cart, too, with your catalog, and you can check out with zero balance. So this is um, the American Survival Newsletter goes out on Tuesday, and the HealthQuest goes out on Friday, and uh, both are full of natural health remedies you're not going to hear about anywhere else. I just talked to a lady today about some natural solutions for everyday problems, and she never knew she could just take care of stuff so easily, so easily, and it's empowering. Yep, saves you money, too. And gentle and effective. Things don't have to hit you over the head like a sledgehammer to heal you, you know? You can you can do the gentle and effective. I like the gentle, personally. That's what I like. Absolutely. Thepowerherbs.com, give them a call. Oh, don't forget, this week, all orders over $25 get free ship. And if your order is $75 or more uh, through the 11th, you can qualify for a free herbal caddy. It's a nice herbal organizer, so you can tote your herbs around wherever you want to go. And that's a $15 value, so you can get one absolutely free with a $75 order plus your free ship. So don't wait too long because that expires on the 11th at thepowerherbs.com. Hey, Frank, you got some Christmas music to roll? Do we have a bumper? I think we do. There it is. We'll be right back. into the original medicine. Herbalist Wendy Wilson will be right back.
get older, they are subject to hormone imbalance. And when this happens, men can experience osteoporosis, memory loss, irritability, blood sugar imbalance, weight gain, enlarged prostate, erectile dysfunction, and risk of stroke. The human endocrine system manufactures hormones. Why not feed your system plant nutrition to make the hormones that are right for you? For centuries, these herbs have been used to balance the male hormone system. Men, you've waited long enough for the male hormone formula. Call Apothecary Herbs toll-free, 866-229-3663 for the male hormone formula. 866-229-3663 or online at thepowerherbs.com. 866-229-3663 where your healthcare options just became endless. 007, your assignment is to find out what herb secrets herbalist Wendy Wilson has on Herb Talk Live. Prices have increased over 40%. Energy prices have increased over 20%. Wheat and gas prices have increased over 70%. What's going to be next? Do you see these trends reversing or even stabilizing? All fiat currencies have always failed and collapsed their economies on their way down. The Roman Empire, China, France, Argentina, Finland, Mexico, Russia, Zimbabwe all tried fiat currency and all collapsed into chaos. Meanwhile, the dollar has lost over 97% of its gold value since 1971 when an ounce of gold was valued at $35. If your assets are in paper, you are in danger. Protect your assets with gold and silver. Visit discount gold and silver trading at dgscoins.com. That's dgscoins.com or call 1-800-375-4188. That's 800-375-4188. Protect yourself and your family. Our prescription for good health, Herb Talk Live with herbalist Wendy Wilson. No insurance card required. Don't make the aspirin mistake. Aspirin was discovered by mistake during World War II and suppresses your immune system and prevents blood clotting. Don't expose your body to risk when you can use a natural inflammation and pain reliever called Extra Strength Pain Relief by Apothecary Herbs. Discover the power this formula has with salicin to enter the system in 60 seconds to work hard and relieve pain for 12 hours. Whether it's arthritis, sports injury, or flu, you can relieve aches, pain, and swelling with our Extra Strength Pain Relief Formula. Call Apothecary Herbs now, toll-free, 866-229-3663. That's 866-229-3663. International callers dial 704-875-8010 or order online at the 3 wsthepowerherbscom
Hey, that's cool. Yeah, on a rainy day, that's the best thing to make, right? Banana pancakes? Ooh, I can smell them right now. All right. <laughs> Thanks, Frank. Okay, we're going to be uh, talking about our immune system foes because, you know, we're moving into some hectic times in December. You know, we got the holidays. We're running to and fro. We're traveling. And, and so I um, want to make sure the immune system stays strong. So that's what it's about. And uh, in, in, in the fall and winter months, we tend to focus more on our immune system than really any other time. So we don't want to, you know, get sick, have a cold or a flu bug, costing us valuable time from work or school, or God forbid, we can't take our trip. You know, on top of that, we feel terrible. And um, we have to spend, spend money to get better, usually. You know, unless it's the flu, then a doctor just sends you home. But we can minimize uh, our risk to these seasonal sicknesses. Um, You know, obviously, you know, do that frequent hand washing thing. Uh, But you want to also recognize certain behaviors that can undermine your immune system, and you know, you know, give give these pathogens a foothold. So it's almost like you're a disease magnet. So we're going to look at some things that we can avoid, some things we can do, and stay strong through the holidays. So immune system, if your immune system is in trouble, it does give you some telltale signs. Um, There are several indicators that can alert us that our immune system is really not working efficiently or isn't working at all. So how can we tell if our immune system isn't working as it should? So here's some indicators. Now give us all a clue. If you got frequent illnesses, if you're sick a lot, um, and um, children typically have six to eight colds a year, I think that's a lot. But you know, modern medicine says that's normal. Uh, now, if adults get three or more colds a year, then that's a big indicator. Also, energy—if your energy level is low most of the time—and um, it's lower for longer than just a few weeks. There's an indicator. Also, digestion. If you got chronic constipation and bowel distress, bowel disease, that can be an indicator your immune system's not helping you out any. And respiratory. If you got dry nasal passages, and the nasal passages, passages, you know, shouldn't be dry. Actually, your nose produces a cup of mucus per day. I know that's a lot. Just think about that, but. You do. You do. So those mucous membranes have to stay moist, and if they're dry, hmm, problem. Uh, So you may ask, well, why am I sick a lot? Well, a lot of people who come down with frequent colds each year ask me that question, and why am I so sick? Uh, Family doctors really can't answer this question, and how uh, could we expect them to when most of the illnesses they see are diagnosed as viral? And a virus is a label medicine uses uh, to describe an unknown pathogen. So they don't know what you have. And uh, so if doctors don't know what the disease is, how could they actually prevent or even cure it? So they just leave it up to your immune system to work it out. So if you have more than um, uh, a few colds a year, you may want to you know, take some stock and see what's going on. Now, we have more than uh, 1,500 known human viruses, not counting the zoonotic animal viruses. So how can any physician really tell you what you have contracted without actually culturing it and send it for testing? Most doctors don't do that. Virologists actually estimate that there are 20 different viruses for each of the 50,000 vertebrates on this planet Earth. And scientists have 
you know, having a field day actually studying 320,000 different viruses which infect animals. They're just having a ball. So there is a huge pathogen potential out there to make new make us sick and to make new vaccines for. Now the cost of studying just one virus is about 1.2 billion and the scientific community spends the money and thinks it's well spent. So if you are an adult that is contracting 2 to 4 colds per year or your child has 6 or more colds per year, it's kind of an indicator that you're sick too often and maybe your immune system is underperforming. So it's really time to take a look at the cause of immune system suppression. So let's look at uh, the immune system suppressants out there. Uh, if we pay attention, we can narrow down what is suppressing our immune system function and remove that threat. So here is a list of things that can interfere with the immune system and cause it not to work properly. Uh, if you're dehydrated, you're not consuming enough clean water, uh, you want to also watch the liquids that dehydrate you. A lot of people say, well, I drink a lot. But what are you drinking? It's not water. Uh, some people say it is, but most of the time, you know, they'll say, well, I drink herbal teas, uh, iced tea, uh, soda, coffee. A lot of caffeine beverages will dehydrate you. So um, try not to drink the caffeinated uh, types of uh, beverages. Also stress, if you're under constant stress, depending on your jobs, your family life, and even when we keep on this holiday stress, it could just, you know, throw that immune system over the limit. Sugar is my biggest peeve, especially now during the holidays. Sugar cravings, uh, um, if you're a sugar-holic out there, um, know this is only going to take you down a road that's going to lead you to, you know, diseases, chronic diseases like diabetes, peripheral neuropathy, and worse. Um, but if you think about it, I was talking to a gentleman the other day. He never really thought about it this way, but if you if you look at our cold and flu season, it starts in October, ends around March, and it starts when the sugar star starts with our holidays like you know, Halloween, and then we have uh, Thanksgiving, and then we have Christmas, and then we have New Year's with all the alcohol, which converts to sugar, and then we have you know um, Valentine's Day in February. So we have all this sugar, and uh, no wonder we're sick usually from October through March. Really, that's pretty much that right there. Just two and a half to three and a half ounces of sugar can suppress your immune system for eight hours. And how much sugar do we have now at the average party, uh, holiday party at work um, or at a um, holiday dinner party after work or going over to the family's house for a holiday uh, dinner or something? There's lots of sugar. Also, mold and mildew can expose and exhaust an immune system. So if you think you got mold in the house, that could be it. Um, now, Sleep, inadequate sleep, inconsistent sleep can stress an immune system. Tobacco also, as well as um, lots of alcohol. Um, a poor diet, you're not getting the right nutrients. And being inactive, not exercising every day, as well as um, food allergies can really push your immune system to the edge because your immune system is, is hypersensitive at that point. Well, let's look at that sugar a minute because I, I call this time of year the sugar coma season because people are just 
overdoing the sugar. One of the worst um, saboteurs to your immune system is the sugar. If we consume too much of it, we can put our immune system into what I call a sugar coma. Uh, if you eat a candy bar or if you have three cans of soda, oh, man, that's going to derail your immune system function for 24 hours. So how does sugar do that? Well, according to the American Journal of the Clinical Nutrition, the sugar weakens our white blood cells, which are the immune system killer cells that help us fight off bacteria and viruses. So the fall and winter are full of the holiday sugar-laden celebrations. And, of course, you've, you've heard me say October jumps starts it off. And then we go all the way through Valentine's Day. So all these holidays promote um, also a lot of alcohol consumption. Everybody's celebrating, right? And that converts to sugar, which, you know, not helping us out. It's going to be stored uh, in the fat cells of the body. Um, so our cold and flu season is pretty long because of how we're, you know, eating, behaving. Kind of tone down that sugar and uh, keep the alcohol, the adult beverages to two, <laughs> If you haven't some. All right. So according to the 2009 National Institutes of Health, they did a study. They say we carry too much fat around our abdomen and we create obstacles for the immune system like chronic inflammation. So if we got a lot of visceral fat around our joints and organs like the heart, liver, gallbladder, pancreas, it can create also hormone imbalance, making us more vulnerable to bacteria and viruses. So a lot of hormones kind of disrupt signals that can go to the immune system and kind of suppress it that way. Now, getting the right amount of sleep, as I mentioned, is going to be important. So when the days get shorter, we can be prone to that seasonal affective disorder, also known as SAD. So the reduced sunlight can make us lethargic and can reduce our energy. So if you put some full-spectrum light bulbs around your home and office, it's going to brighten the space almost like natural sunlight, and it will pick up your mood. You'll feel more energetic and less sad. And it also promotes um, that healthy circadian rhythm to help your sleep pattern. So getting regular exercise with a healthy diet, limit the caffeine and the sugar and the alcohol, um, which converts to sugar, that alcohol, you're going to get better sleep doing that. See, and without eight hours of sleep per night, the mitochondria of your cells can't regenerate and recharge effectively. So beware of that. Well, let's look at some medication products. Uh, there are some medications that can lower our immune system without us knowing it. You may already be aware of some of these drugs which disrupt immune system functions such as antibiotics and cancer treatments. However, uh, corticosteroids often used by, what, 30 million Americans that suffer from arthritis or some type of inflammatory condition, that's like 25 million suffering also from asthma and other allergic reactions. They're on medications that hinder the immune system. So other drugs that tend to suppress immune function are your heartburn and stomach acid drugs, it blocks the stomach acid and also the immune system's ability to fight pathogens. So those proton pump inhibitors suppress the immune system by 30 to 70%, according to the Journal of the American Medical Association in their 2004 article. 
Also, statin cholesterol drugs. Uh, a Swedish study says these drugs suppress immune system function. Your antidepressants, your SSRI drugs promote an autoimmune system disease and can attack lung tissue. And painkillers, the anacetaminophen Tylenol products, they can damage vital organs which remove pathogens and attack the immune system. And of course, your air fresheners and perfumes. These aren't drugs, but they are pulmonary irritants and they present toxins on a constant basis that promote pneumonia and overworking and exhausting the immune system. So be careful about that, what you're breathing in. Plus, a lot of those are air fresheners, like uh, Febreze, for instance, you plug them in or you spray it around. What it does is it disables your smell receptors in your nose. So this, the, the foul odor is still there. It's just you can't detect it. Okay? It's just like spraying perfume on a fish kind of thing. All right. Now let's talk about that mold. Um, mold exposure, more common than we think. Anyone who has an air conditioner, an air handler unit, has a crawl space under the house, you run the risk of mold or mildew buildup on the fan blades due to dirty drip pans. So the mold pathogens are biotoxins and are distributed through the air vents in your home or office. So what uh, do people do to cover up the musty smell? They plug in the air fresheners. So this is but one example and uh, any water problem can cause a mold problem. So symptoms can be frequent colds, drippy nose that never goes away, throat infections, low energy creating what scientists, med scientific medicine calls chronic inflammatory response syndrome. Other symptoms associated with mold are overall sick feeling and weakness, cognitive problems, your memory, concentration issues, headaches, vertigo, muscle aches, cramps, and joint pain, light sensitivity, blurred vision, or constant tearing or burning of the eyes, a cough, asthma symptoms, sinusitis, abdominal pain, nausea, and diarrhea. Now, we should take that seriously, this mold issue, because I actually experienced a mold issue um, years ago, and when I lived at a in another town, in another place, we were in this ranch house, and the uh, design was on in the crawl space. They had the air conditioner, air handler, air handling unit laying down on its side, and and it was installed improperly, I think, because then the drip pan would fill with water, and then the fan blade would get water on it. Okay, so when the fan blade wasn't in motion, the water dried. And anyway, so then you get a mold buildup. So what happened is, is, you know, you get this dry, whitish, powdery-looking mold spore on your fan blades. And they are pumped through the air system in your house. And I had, I had a problem with... Uh, throat infections, and a drippy nose that never went away, just what I was reading here. And uh, so it wasn't until, you know, we fixed that problem that all that went away. Mm -hmm. Just FYI. Okay, the Federal Facilities Council report um, 
talking about, um, you know, building practices and buildings, they say our report shows 43% of buildings, commercial or residential, have some form of water damage causing mold or fungi to grow within 24 to 48 hours. Um, Just the other day, my my oldest boy and his wife, uh, my daughter-in-law, they had um, a pipe in the crawl space that was dripping and it warped their wood floor and their kids having drippy nose. So they had a mold issue and didn't know it. So it's, it's there. Also world health organization says this mold sickens. Uh, it's a vicious cycle. Foreign antigens stay in the body causing immune system to constantly fight back. This causes inflammation and chronic illness and many symptoms. So the solution uh, to this kind of mold illness is to relocate if the mold can't be adequately removed. Mm. Now, for those of you with lots of food allergy, food allergies are at an all-time high, um, EpiPens skyrocketing in cost, and there are about 15 million Americans with food allergies, and it costs us about $25 billion a year. Some health experts feel that the development and promotion of vaccines has created this hyperallergic world. So the foods that cause the most allergic responses are nuts, shellfish, wheat, and dairy, cow's milk and cheese, um, eggs is also in there. So if food allergies are suppressing your immune system, causing you to have many illnesses per year, then you want to keep a food journal. Start eliminating the most common allergy foods that may be the culprit out of the diet for about two weeks, okay? And and then you can add that food back in one at a time and see if you get a reaction. And this is a real inexpensive, cheap way to see what foods you're allergic to rather than going to dermatologists. So if no response is within two to four days, you can add another food that you took off your list to see if there's an allergic reaction. And uh, usually you have one within um, a few days, so it's, it's pretty immediate. So very inexpensive. If you have some food sensitivities, you can test this out because if you go to a dermatologist, they're only going to test you for like 12 different food sources. So so once you determine the food that your body is allergic to or sensitive to, you can permanently remove that from your diet and boost your immune system immediately. Um, And a lot of people say, well, what is this about? Um, boosting our immune system. How do we do that? Well, immune boosting isn't overstimulating an immune system to promote an immune system um, dysfunction like um, uh, immune suppressants. Uh, Immune boosting using herbs, for instance, works to bring uh, a low immune system back to normal function. That's what that is. So herbs do not work in the same way as pharmaceutical drugs. Herbs provide the nutrition to help your body balance the dysfunction and get you rebalanced, they work with your system. So whereas prescription medications are toxic chemicals that force or control the system to work when it's out of balance and is really not able to. So keep that in mind. Uh, So let's look at uh, some immune system herbs um, briefly, real quick. Uh, There are some herbs that you may want to have on hand just in case you get sick. Um, And, you know, you don't have to take these on a daily basis. You just have them in ready supply. Uh, So 
Uh, you don't want to take a lot of your immune-boosting herbs that help you get over illnesses quickly as a multivitamin. You don't take them every day. You reserve them for when you're under the weather because uh, if you take them too often, they're not going to stimulate immune system as well. So uh, herbs like echinacea root, unless you're sick, or you feel like you're coming down with something, um, don't take that every day. Take it when you need it. So echinacea does a really good job of helping the immune system make those antibodies to the infection. And if you used it too often, it wouldn't stimulate the immune system as well. So reserve your echinacea root formulas for when you're sick. Now, astragalus root, on the other hand, is an herb that you can use very often, and it won't overstimulate an immune system. It just heightens it a little bit, so it's kind of like a little protection. Uh, you can add garlic to that and ginseng to that, and you get a, more of a synergistic effect, a little bit more power. So garlic's very broad spectrum. I like it because it's antiviral, bacterial, fungal, and yeast. It's anti-yeast. So in a lot of cases, you can combine a lot of these immune-boosting herbs for that synergistic effect, and it magnifies the power. So you often can combine immune-boosting herbs with circulatory herbs that will promote a real fast delivery, a distribution around the system, and it shortens the duration of the illness. You can also add herbs that help the filtering organs process and eliminate the pathogen uh, really quickly, like your American ginseng. Okay, I love to pair up echinacea, American ginseng, and astragalus root for, um, well, I call them my three amigos, is what I call them. And uh, so the moment you feel a little sinus drip, uh, pressure, scratchiness in the throat, or just a malaise, like you just feel, ugh, something's wrong, I, I take those three. And I feel great in a couple hours. So it's really good nip it in the bud. So it's American ginseng. Uh, an echinacea formula like the immune booster or the adult or children's echinacea, and then um, the astragalus root. So all three, we have it in adult and children's versions at thepowerherbs.com. It's a Dr. Mom approved item, so you can check that out at thepowerherbs.com. Or if you don't have the Internet, do call the folks at Apothecary Herbs and get their free catalog. It is amazing. It's an educational tool as well, so you'll learn as you go. Uh, and you'll be empowered. So give them a call toll-free at 866-229-3663. That's 866-229-3663. Or you can visit them at thepowerherbs.com. Okay, so learning how to use your herbs for a healthier immune system, not hard. Pretty easy, actually. So the folks at Apothecary Herbs, this is what they specialize in, immune boosting and organ cleansing. And for the last 16 years, they've, had, they've supplied people with the tools and the information they need to help themselves stay well. So healthy immune systems, if they encounter a new pathogen strain, can easily over, overcome a cold or flu within a couple of days. The folks at Apothecary Herbs can show you how to do that. So no need to, you know, waste away for five to seven days with the flu when you can get over it in two days. You know, there's a secret to this, and the folks at Apothecary Herbs show you how to do that. So if you're serious about herbs, you need Apothecary Herbs, you want to definitely check out their immune-boosting cold and flu section on their website, thepowerherbs.com, or just when you get the catalog, there's a table of contents. Just flip, flip to that section, and you will see... Uh, the adult versions and formulas, the children's versions. Um, they have herbs for pets in there. Um, they have some neat kits that you want to stock and long shelf life on the herbal 
liquids about 10 years. So you'll have things on hand when you need them. Plus, plus you have the information on how to use them. So that's a good thing. And I love the Dr. Mom approved section. And uh, that's what it's about, empowering, because, you know, we all need a Dr. Mom, don't we? Absolutely. When you want to feel better, that's that's why, you know, I wanted to feel better. And I just said, where are my three amigos, my three friends? <laughs> and all of a sudden, a product was born. Uh, thepowerherbs.com. It puts the power back in your hands. Check it out. If you're on there, sign up for the newsletters, the American Survival or the Health Quest. Uh, they're free. Get a catalog while you're there. Sign up and check out for free, and uh, you'll be empowered every day. Every day of the week, you'll be empowered. Thepowerherbs.com. You know, that's what it's about. Power back in your hands. You know, you get more control, get healthier, and uh, toxin-free. That's what I like about it. Well, I can see by the clock I'm about out of time. So, hey, if you have a health topic you want me to include on the show, don't be shy. Send me an email off the powerherbs.com website. And we can uh, we can try to work that into the show. I've done that a lot. So um, a lot of people uh, let me know. Give me feedback. Feedback's good. Helps us do a better job, what we're doing. And we're passionate about what we do. So we're going to make the good stuff happen. That's what it's all about. Thepowerherbs.com, 866-229-3663. Yeah, commit that to memory. 866 229 3663 Apothecary Herbs, where your healthcare options just became endless. Frank, do we have closed bumper to roll? There it is. I knew it. Uh, I'm your herbalist, Wendy Wilson. The information presented is not intended to diagnose, treat, or cure disease. Seek medical advice if you dare from a licensed medical physician before using any product or therapy. Until next time, be well. have increased over 40%. Energy prices have increased over 20%. Wheat and gas prices have increased over 70%. What's going to be next? Do you see these trends reversing or even stabilizing? All fiat currencies have always failed and collapsed their economies on their way down. The Roman Empire, China, France, Argentina, Finland, Mexico, Russia, Zimbabwe all tried fiat currency and all collapsed into chaos. Meanwhile, the dollar has lost over 97% of its gold value since 1971 when an ounce of gold was valued at $35. If your assets are in paper, you are in danger. Protect your assets with gold and silver. Visit Discount Gold and Silver Trading at DGSCoins.com. That's DGSCoins.com or call 1-800-375-4188. That's 800-375-4188. Protect yourself and your family.
about where your next meal will come from if the power is out for an extended period of time? I'd like to suggest Numana Foods, a family-owned business with a passion for food quality and taste, as well as long-term storage reliability. Numana.com. Check them out for your family's health and security. Food so good tasting and good for you, it can be eaten every day. Standard buckets are GMO-free, contain no aspartame, high fructose corn syrup, autolyzed yeast extract, chemical preservatives, or soy. You can be confident your Numana meals will be there for you and your family when you need them during an emergency. Numana.com, a nutritionally healthy way to prepare for any disaster. That's Numana.com, N-U-M-A-N-N-A.com. shown that the farm soil we get our vegetables from is dead, meaning it is depleted of minerals. Sulfur is a mineral. Sulfur has been depleted from the soil, which means most people have been depleted of sulfur. Sulfur has been found to transport oxygen throughout the body. You need oxygen. You need organic sulfur. American Voice Radio Network has organic sulfur. Go to AmericanVoiceRadio.com and then to the Superstore to order your organic sulfur. It's your choice. Do you want to feel better or not? Don't forget to tune in to the Sulfur Hour Plus One on AmericanVoiceRadio.com, Thursdays, 6 p.m. Pacific. Welcome once again to another edition of the Contenders for the Faith. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday. 
I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather. Now at ChampaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. VGW Group. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.